0: Life is to play for, so um, that's the energy I want to take into being Mayor of London. London's travel, the clockwise M25, has the exit slip road at Junction 7 for the M23 closed because of nighttime roadworks, and the weather overcast with patchy rain through the morning, a high of 10 degrees Celsius, 9 degrees, the temperature right now in Hyde Park. LBC 97.3, it's three minutes past four. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Thursday morning in London town. Yes, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Oh, la 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 That's as good as it's going to get, I'm afraid, today. Doesn't matter. I'm having a, quite a nice little time. i just quickly uh, sign myself in here. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-mm. Do you know? I tell you, the amount of times you change your password on these computers now. I'm just. I'm, I've, I've now decided I'm keeping the password and just changing the number. So the last one was one, two, three, four. Now it's gone back to one, and then probably next time round it'll be two, and then three, and then so it goes on. It's very annoying, isn't it? You have to do it because it, uh, it's for security. And I suppose you know, once you've sorted things like that out. Funny though, a hot dog in uh, in New York called a Steve Allen. Trust Johnny Perry to find that one over there. He's the only man. Mind you, I went out once. I went to, um, where were we? San Francisco. And there was a radio station called 97.3. Because I took a picture of their, uh, I mean, how anaraki can you be? How anaraki can you be taking a picture of a, of a radio station's car out on the road? It was parked up on the pier, actually. 97.3. It was, it was a nice-looking vehicle, actually. I like the look of the vehicle. I was very impressed with the vehicle. I didn't listen to the output because we didn't have a radio with us. So it was uh, probably just as well, I should imagine. Anyway, a uh, lot to get through on the problem Also, I'll tell you what, here's a, here's a great one. I only discovered this yesterday. And it's for those people who sit on a bus or sit on a tube late at night and there's a bit of a ruckus kicks off and you don't want to call 999 lest you draw attention to yourself. There's a new text you can send to the police. And I'll tell you about that one a bit later on. It's, it's going to be monitored around the clock, and it means that at least the police can be there to arrest the uh, offending little toe rags. Which Oh, you didn't make a special journey, not with a spoon, did you really? I said you didn't need to worry, honestly. Oh, just just the one spoon. OK, that's fine. If you can only manage the one. They're very heavy spoons nowadays, aren't they, Rupert? Very, oh, I could barely lift this one myself. Oh, heavy, heavy, heavy spoon. There it is to put it onto the table. No, because we said to him before the news, said, can you bring down a spoon for Steve? So he comes down, he sits, and you didn't have it with him. I could tell by the way he sat down. I said, you bring the spoon. He went, oh, I'll go and get one. So he went all the way upstairs, bless his heart, and all the way back downstairs again, and still only brought one. Oh, thank you. Uh, Read really the hot dog named after you. Was it served in a Superman cape, says Brian. Thank you for somebody telling me what a wiener is. I had no idea, actually. I seriously thought... It is also a hot dog, isn't it? But it's also another name for... Well, I never knew. People tell me nothing around. I wonder why Duncan fell off the seat. I'll be wondering, what is he talking about, poor soul? Anyway, in the papers for this morning, good news, bad news. Uh, The good news is that uh, Manchester United could be selling Wayne Rooney. Oh, thank goodness. him and his Chav family. Let's lose them completely. There's a picture of all in the papers today going out there, and it's very nice... You know, but they really, they've got no sense of fashion or or an idea of the occasion or anything at all. So, where he goes to, I don't know. Who would want Wayne Rooney? Does he come with any sort of following? Is there a following? I mean, the family appear to be able to walk around everywhere. So, I'm assuming they can't be that much of a following, whereas the Beckhams can't. But they do generate their own interest, the Beckhams, don't they? So, whether or not uh, Man U sells him uh, for 35 million or 20 million, I don't know. Felicity Kendall. At Richard Breyer's funeral the other day. That makes a lot of the front pages. A lot of the front pages. And uh, a picture again on the front page of the Daily Star, as you now know, of Wayne Rooney. And he's out with the family. Uh, Colleen's got the big bag. What she's got in it, I've got no idea. Perhaps she's taking washing in. There must be some reason why women carry it. What do you carry in your handbags? What And God's name is in it? You look at the size of this bag that uh, Colleen Rooney's got, and you think to yourself, darling, what is in there? What is in that bag? I mean, it can't just be an emery board, a packet of peppermints, and a lipstick. But what's in it? What is in the bag? The, the producer's bag is teeny, but it's full up. I mean, i just, I mean, all right, I travel with a lot of medication, but you have to. What's that? What's makeup bag. I mean, how much make... You're coming into work. How much makeup do you need? A little bit of lippy. That's all you need. You don't need to bring in it. What's that? More makeup. Oh, it's a phone. Oh, right, OK. Well, a phone. I can understand people taking it... A- What's that, an apple? OK, a phone and an apple. But you don't need to take makeup in. I mean, that's just ridiculous. What's that? Sunglasses. Oh, blimey. You lose the will to live, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, have a look, ladies, through your bags and see what you got in there. Apparently, I'm told, in a lot of the bags, it's the same thing. It'll be... It used to be, years ago, a penny for the toilet, a packet of peppermint's, an emery board and, uh, and a lipstick. But now people have got their whole makeup bag. Their whole makeup bag, they open it up and they've got lit and you think, Listen, how many lip glosses do you need? One. What's that? What's that? That's deodorant. Girl, it's like bringing in a chemist, isn't it? So you carry deodorant. What do you sit on the train and go? Like that. Answer, no. But you do get all these old slappers, don't you, in the morning who do their makeup on the train. I think hookers after a night out, ladies and gentlemen, I can't leave any other reason why you'd be sitting there on the train doing your make I so, I so, so want to say something. I so, so want to say to somebody, you know, look, you know, you haven't made the slightest difference. You know, you think you're being all all expert, rubbing it here, do, ooh, and it, you look exactly the same at the end of it. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'm going to get involved this morning, as I'm sure you will do. Actually, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's really annoyed me yesterday, apart from the fact that I went out and I got my hair cut. It's not really the highlight of the day, is it, getting your hair cut? But I thought, if I'm doing Olivia Newton-John today and Joe Wood, Joe Wood's everywhere in the peak you can't move for Joe Wood. Sex, drugs, the Stones, Ron and me. And that's just the Daily Star. The book is like, big as that. Makes you wonder whether or not poor old Justin Bieber's got a rock and roll lifestyle, or whether or not his mummy goes, "Justin, come in." Very, very easy. Eight four eight five oh. stevedlbc.co.uk. dot I love the way you were all talking earlier on about the um, uh, the man who threw the crucifix in in the pond. I thought that was quite funny. You know, he's an atheist. In any other village, they'd have had him strung up. You know, in Saudi, is it Saudi Arabia, Dubai? Where is it at the moment? They're uh, planning on five crucifixions. Five crucifixions at the moment, but the uh, I think somebody's intervened and said, listen, you need to check this very carefully. They're a bit bloodthirsty over in Saudi. They like their public executions. It's a sort of a day out, I suppose, for them. Not in favour myself, I have to tell you. Although I have always said that if ever you had um, public executions, it'd be the biggest audience you could ever get anywhere. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk Let's try and get everything in this morning. I really want to do everything this morning. I'm going to read every single one out. Um, The New York hot dogs aren't called wieners. You're thinking of a... Oh, right, okay, Oh, right. Interesting. Thank you, John, in Hendon. Very interesting. Uh, One from Anne. She says, The time goes so slowly when waiting for the crack of Steve Allen's wit. At 4am. Only 3am now. Hope you're taking the antibiotics. Actually, when I woke up this morning, I'd, 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 I'd taken loads of antibiotics. I've taken so many antibiotics. I don't think it's making any difference. But I'm feeling slightly sort of woozy, you know, high as a kite, really. I said, I mean, to be honest with you, I could, in fact, put my feet up on the desk and just go to sleep. But it's not not in my nature, because I have to stay here. I think for the purposes of the contract, which is good. The cough is gone, hasn't it? Says Noreen. Well, actually, it's, it's sort of semi-gone. Sort of semi-gone. At the moment, we're feeling a bit throaty, but I promise you, in about half an hour's time, the voice will have warmed up a little bit. You've got to warm it up. Oh, and good luck to NatWest customers, says Noreen. The system's gone haywire again. This is not the first time, is it? Trouble is, wherever it's computing... You know, it was so much easier before, wasn't it? So much easier before. Now, of course, it's uh, it's computers and they go wrong and it's, a, it's just a bit of a pain, I'm afraid. But, she says, uh, interesting news for fans of The Beatles... There'll soon be a documentary on Frida Kelly, who was the fan club secretary. It's premiering in the States on Saturday. Let you know when it's on here. The makers have the full permission of Paul and Ringo and the estates of George and John. They were also very fond of her. I've never heard of her before. Frida Kelly. Frida Kelly. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, yes, I have. Because there was a documentary on the television, wasn't there, a short while ago. Was she the one who worked for, for Brian Epstein? I'm pretty certain she worked for Brian Epstein, and she was. she's only about uh, middle 50s. I would think something like that. Hope so, anyway. Saw Brenda in town yesterday. Was it Or the yes, day before, I think. Brenda in Twickenham. Used to work in the chemist. And um, I walked past her and she went, oh, you know, because every, everybody thinks I'm contagious. I don't think, actually, this throat is contagious. Just very sexy. Just a little bit annoying. I was going to tweet yesterday. No, I didn't have the, the strength to tweet. But I did drive to Reading. That was quite nice. It was a lovely little drive down there, actually. I love driving to Reading just to sort of see how the other half live. Because I sort of go down, they say, woo, hello. I go round roundabouts three times just to make sure everybody's seen me, and I wave sometimes. I have I have known people wave at the car. It's a bit sad, really, down in Reading, but I, I like it. I go down to the, uh, to the Costco, which is behind the Majeski Stadium, which is good. Sorry? Do I have a personalised number plate? No. Perhaps I should have, actually. I used to have a personalised number plate years and years ago. I don't know what I'd have on it, actually. Alan 1, I suppose. But, uh, no, I'm not really a fan of personalised number plates. I see some people, and I always point and laugh at them, because it sort of says something like, wh- whatever it is, it, it, but it doesn't say the proper name. It's sort of, it's a, it's a derivation of letters, which is supposed to look at like the name. And you think, God, you sad so-and-so. I wouldn't have anything like that. I have had in the past, but uh, but not now. They're so expensive, have you seen the price of number plates? I mean, they are absolutely extortionate prices. And I don't know why you'd have them. Oh, I'll tell you that the, the best number plates to get... The best number plate to get is an Irish plate. Because it, it the, the idea of having a, an Irish plate is so that nobody knows the age of your car. And so you can have something like uh, JLR... something. I'm just making this up at the top of the head. JLR1276. And that would be an Irish plate. And they're really good, actually. I've had a couple of Irish plates on the car before now. And somebody said to me, I'll never get an Irish plate, you'll be forever stopped by the police. I'm never stopped by the police. I live in Opa being stopped by the police. But it's never happened. I sometimes deliberately swerve the car a couple of times, you know, just just to make them think, oh, let's pull him over. But they never do. In fact, I was coming back from Reading yesterday and there was a police car that pulled him right behind me. And, of course, I mean, I'm really good. I mean, I am, I mean, I'm good. I am the nearest thing to Mother Teresa. I've got my little halo going on and everything. Although it turns out she wasn't as goody-goody-two-shoes as we thought. There's a new book coming out about Mother Teresa, which sort of doesn't paint her as, you know, whiter than white, unfortunately. And uh, so the police car pulls in behind me, and I immediately swerve a little bit, you know, just to sort of keep them on their toes. And then, so they followed me for a little bit, and then they obviously thought, no, he's just, he's just another sad person sitting in a car with his seatbelt on, with his little sunglasses on, staring into the distance, dreaming of happier times. And the happy time is, for all of you this morning, quarter past four. LBC 97.3. He should come here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a cheeky one. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Back this morning from seven. LBC 97.3. This morning, as it's been announced that civil servants at a stage of strike on Budget Day, Nick will want to know, is it time to get tough on the public sector? And as Nick Clegg, of course, is in the studio to take your calls. Oh, my God, every day. It's a revelation, isn't it? Every time Nick comes in, there's always just so much in the papers that you can call him about. Nick will be asking about Labour's immigration policy, Boris's new cycling plan for London, and Mr Cameron's plans for the economy. Camilla Tomine, Royal Editor of The Express, will be in, looking at the papiers this morning. Uh, I've noticed actually, what was I noticing the other day? Oh, that's right. The other week, somebody said to me, Oh, you missed uh, Judy Finnegan uh, pitching up on Daybreak. Unfortunately, poor Judy can't go anywhere without dragging on poor old Richard. Richard drags himself along with her. It's like the poor woman can't go anywhere by herself. I mean, is she able to, or is he now her carer? I can't quite work out what it is. You know, we love Richard and Judy as, as a twosome when they were up in Manchester. Liverpool. And they were much happier on the docks up there. You know, they were far enough out of London. Then they came down to London and then it all went pear-shaped and then the audience fell. I don't know why the audience fell away. I couldn't, couldn't quite put my finger on it. It's like, I'm always interested in TV programmes where they say, you know, they've hemorrhaged audience and they've lost it. So on Daybreak, they've lost, I don't know, was it 200,000 people? I mean, quite clearly because it's just an irritating little programme. You know, you, you, you can have somebody on and for some reason, it doesn't matter. You've got all the right elements, but it just doesn't work. And, and I don't know why it doesn't work. I suppose because they've got so many different people on daybreak. They've got somebody reading the news, somebody doing the weather, you know, somebody doing this. They all become <coughs> sort of little personalities in their own right. And, and it just doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't work. Richard and Judy never worked, mainly because the poor woman sat there. You know, she was far more entertaining. We liked Judy Finnegan. Unfortunately, it all went downhill when Judy started putting on the weight. And uh, and then and then some days she looked a little bit challenged. And and there were other days where, in fact, most days actually, where Richard just walked all over her. And so Judy would be trying to get a question out and Richard would come in with one of his stupid, inane questions. And you just thought, oh, shut up. Just shut up. And it just got from bad to worse. And in the end, the programme was canned because there were <clears throat> more people working on it than were watching it which was a disappointment. So, you know, on because now she writes novels. Whether she'll ever make it to number one on the bestseller list, I don't know. But uh, she pitches up on Daybreak, and he pitches up as well. And you think, no. oh, shut up, just leave her alone. I wouldn't mind, but she's a grown woman. It's either that or Richard Madeley taking his dreary old bag of a daughter out. Chloe Madeley. Oh, claim to fame, nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. I couldn't think of anything about Chloe Madeley that was, uh, that was particularly good. But she's in, apparently... Uh, one of the—it's nothing in the, in the papers. We oh, should be mortified. Uh, you remember Chloe Madeley? Remember the drunk driver? Does a little bit of the old puff? You remember Chloe Madeley? Yes. Parents apparently thought that was okay, thinking that was okay. I thought that was somewhat strange. My parents would have gone up the wall and had me executed at the bottom of the garden if ever I'd confessed to to, uh, to taking the the dreaded weed, as it were. Nothing at all to do with Andy Pandy or Bill and Ben the Flowerpot Men. It was all to do with the weed. And uh, so she was always a bit of a waste of space. She's been out with a few people, and, uh, <clears throat> but she never quite made it. Obviously, the magazine editors decided that they were about as interested in Chloe Maidley as they were in sort of... I don't know. She was, she was on the Dancing on, Yeah, only on there because of her parents. Not on there because she's ever done anything. She's a waste of space. Only on there because her mummy and daddy are Richard and Judy. And, of course, the embarrassment was... <clears throat> that we had to pitch up with Richard and Judy every time she appeared up, well I mean I don't think Judy knew where she was. Judy clap, clamp, clap The cameras are on you. <laughs> a bit like that, wasn't it? And of course Richard trying to be, you know, you know nothing, something worrying about a man with long hair at a certain age. I don't want to say any more. And she did panto, didn't she? Oh, my God, she was crap at that as well. There's nothing really... You know, claim to fame, I've got famous parents and that's it. Uh, despite, says Young Vic, your delicate throat problems, I must say I was impressed with your beatboxing skills when using the LBC 97.3 studio microphone yesterday morning. No wonder you were a professional DJ. When I told my grandson Daniel, who is a beatboxer, he told me you should come and join him. This is the... It's all done by. Me. Like, there was no no instruments used in the making of that little part of the programme. It's all just me. Just go, <laughs> that was me. Canny, isn't it? I could be fat boy, slim. Well, certainly fat boy. I don't about the slim bit. Uh, he says I'm counting the days now, Steve. It's not long till you're that great thirty nine. So looking forward to your special day. Don't worry, said it's our little secret. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. The amount of people who cast cast aspersions. On my being 39. I mean, just nothing short of rudeness, ladies and gentlemen. You're as young as you feel. You're as young as you feel. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. And uh, each morning from the horse's yard, I listen to you. And uh, Jackie sent me some pictures. She says, and I look at, while listening to your mellow tones, apple orchard and hop poles. She says, thank you for making me laugh whilst mucking out. There's not really much fun in mucking out, is there? I've done mucking out before. I quite like mucking out. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not sort of mad about mucking out, but I have I have done it. I don't have any problems with things like that. Quite liked it. Uh, 84850, oh, uh, Dave says, I would love to try an extra-large Steve Allen with mayo and fries. Yes, you probably would, but it, it'll not be happening, as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, 84850, oh, Steve at LBC, uh, .co.uk, and uh says, I think the woman who worked for Brian Epstein must be in her late 60s, because he died 47 years ago. Wow. 84850, UK. You probably read every single text out, every single text I read out on the programme. producer makes it, a, it's a condition, she says, you read every single one out, not just all the ones who love you. Because, unfortunately, that's all I get. I don't get anything else. It's embarrassing at this time of the morning. Because I'm assuming the sort of people who would ever write something nasty are probably under medical sedation, or they're probably already at the police station, you know, reporting for their bail duty. But uh, we only get nice things. I wish we got something that wasn't. But It never happens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 84850, stevenlbc.co.uk. Uh, Alan Pickard is easily offended, says Lynn in Norwich. This is, um, this is the man who threw the crucifix... You know, because he doesn't want the local church exploiting it. He's, he's an atheist. Why should he have to suffer with it? And I quite agree with him. Wouldn't make it, I mean, to be honest with you, though, I mean, even though I agree with him, I don't think I'd actually pick up a cross and throw it into the local pond. It wouldn't, wouldn't kind of serve any useful purpose, but it's got him in the newspapers. And for that, it makes it very interesting. Because he said, I don't want to be bullied by the church. We've seen the mess that the church has got itself into with paedophile priests and, uh, and disgraceful goings-on. He said, so, you know, I don't want to be preached at by people. And they, d- and they do preach, don't they? They do come... Hello? Ring, 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 ring. Hello, would you like to be friends with Jesus? No, thank you, not today. Thank you. They, cl- they even make sketches about it now. They do sketches on the uh, tele- Oh, look, here she is. Complete waste of space. Danielle Lineker, on holiday again. Doesn't actually do any work. She's on holiday with that drip of an husband, uh, the man who advertises crisps. And that's it. And their drippy son, little Georgina Lineker who apparently goes out, still no girlfriends. Oh, blimey. They've tried everything. They've taken him out to nightclubs. He's been out with mummy, sort of step-mummy and daddy, and uh, they've all gone out there trying to get themselves into the... S- but it doesn't work. People look at George Liddick and go, I don't think so, dear. I don't think so. He's <laughs> a bit of a sad excuse. Rod Little today is talking about... He said a new feature, it's called Burke of the Week, and it's that silly bloke who had himself tattooed. Do you know who we mentioned yesterday on the programme... Uh, Matthew, Matthew Whelan of Birmingham, a silly, pathetic little person, you know, who doesn't work, so I would take away his benefits immediately. I'm sorry, the fact that he can't get a job is because he's covered in tattoos, and, if far for it being body art, he's just a very silly little girl's blouse, who walks around and people point and look at him because he looks ridiculous. The man looks like an idiot. It's not his fault, he's quite clearly of limited intelligence. He was the stupid one at school. And uh, anybody who's got tattoos, to this extent, I mean, frankly, they take it out and hanging, don't they? You don't really want to waste your time with him. And um, and he, he was saying in the paper the other day he couldn't believe why he couldn't get a job. And Rod Little said, yes, it is a bit of a mystery, isn't it, why somebody who looks like you, uh, he says the only people who've given him any sort of work are, wait for it, the Lib Dems. The Lib Dems would give him a job. I don't want to be served by anybody with tattoos. Ever so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I saw somebody in Selfridges a short while ago, an assistant there covered in tattoos. I wouldn't have given her the job in the first place. Take it to court, love. I'm sorry, we have a... You know, it's a reputation. You know, you want people to come in and uh, and be served by smartly dressed people. That was the whole idea years ago. If you work in retail, <clears throat> you know that you were supposed to look smart. I worked in retail. I know all about it. We had to have our shoes polished. You know, you have to you have to look good. You're selling a brand. If you work for Selfridges... As far as I'm concerned, that says something. You know, if you work for Marks and Spencers or you work for... It doesn't matter who it is. You're selling, you are representing that company. You know, I sell global. You know, I, I try and look smart. It doesn't actually make any difference in radio because it, it's not quite the same branding. But, you know, if you represent a company, you're out there. And I, If I owned, say, Selfridges or Fortnum & Mason, I would be going around going... Make sure you look a bit smarter tomorrow, please. That's what I would be expecting, you know. And um, I, I went the other day to try and find, changing the subject, chicken Kiev. I had a bit, I had a bit of a bit of a bit of a cob on. I wanted chicken Kiev, so I said to my friend Jim, who's in the business, I said, uh, "Where am I going to get chicken Kiev?" He said, "Waitrose." And I said, "Okay, I'll go to Waitrose." I'll get, he said, "Don't get chopped and shaped." I said, what's chopped and shaped? He said, that's pretend chicken. He said, that's where they've literally exhausted the chicken. Every single part of it has been eaten, except the little minute bits of uh, flesh on the bones. And they subject it to this water treatment, where they literally drag it all off, and and then they put it all together. It looks like somebody's been sick in a bowl, and they mush it all together, and then they shape it into a chicken shape, and that's called chopped and shaped chicken. You don't want to go anywhere near it. And I didn't buy it yesterday because I couldn't find... I couldn't find... I just wanted a proper chicken fillet with a bit of garlic butter slipped up its bottom. You know, that's all I wanted. I didn't want anything more than that. I just just fancied it. In the end, I got Thai green curry. And it nearly blew the roof of my mouth off. It was very nice. I too... In fact, I was very good. I went to Costco. I didn't buy any food in there. I didn't have anything else to eat. Uh, But I waited till my tea, and I had two Thai green curries with a little bit of basmati rice. And it was absolutely delicious. But I'm I'm not going to have it again. But uh, somebody said here, Waitrose Chicken Kiev... That is that, Duncan. Waitrose Chicken Kiev is the best. I could just eat it, actually. I could just eat Chicken Kiev now. But today I'm going, but what have I got today? I've got a piece of flattened um, spatchcock chicken. You know, where they sort of... Try not to look too excited. And, uh, and that, that's quite nice as well. I could eat a whole one of those. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, you, you can eat at this time of the morning. A nice lamb curry wouldn't go amiss, I have to say. Uh, anyway, let's, oh, look at the time, goodness sake. Rabbiting away here like a good'un. And the time's only 4.30. Conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. I followed with great interest the, uh, the court case at the moment about the, you know, the woman from The Apprentice who's in court at the moment, and it's interesting because one of the lines that came up yesterday was uh, from Alan Sugar, and he said she was more interested in being a celebrity. The moment that disappeared, she lost interest in the job. And I tend to find that with all the people from The Apprentice. I mean, they're all, they're all barking mad, as you know. Most of them are delusional. Uh, some are benefit fraudsters. Uh, some are just absolute rubbish at what they do. But they're all, they're all living in this delusional world. They're a little bit The Only Way is Essex. Little bit. You know, not exactly, but they're certainly pretty close to it, some of them. Uh, in your... Handbag ladies. I'm looking at a picture in the paper today of Colleen Rooney. Uh, The woman who seems to spend a fortune on clothes and yet, bless her heart, has nowhere to wear them. So it's only when she does a fashion shoot that she can wear the. I should imagine all around their house there are pictures of Colleen in floaty, floaty outfits and Wayne, you know, in his hoodie because that's about the mark, I'm afraid, because he just doesn't do He's probably got a few very expensive suits in the wardrobe, but he never wears them. Whereas she likes to put on floaty, floaty items. But, you know, going to the kebab shop, it looks a bit ridiculous. So every time I see her out, she's wearing what I call naff, you know, council house stuff, Primark kind of material, and it probably costs an arm and a leg. But she's got this enormous handbag. And I did ask the question, what in God's name do women keep in their handbags? So somebody's told me purse, phone, diary, inhaler, Hand sanitizer, keys, mine, mum's, son's, sister in law, uh, car, British Legion, tissues, pen, medication, business cards, notepad, baby wipes, mini radio, tuned to LBC, angina spray, dextrose, camera, no room for any makeup. <laughs> I've never really liked it. My God, you've got some stuff in there, haven't you? Mind you, what I should have done is gone through my carrier bag this morning because that's got all medical. We were showing somebody on one of the other stations uh, in the building on our way down. You know what we bring down in the morning just to sort of keep the program going through while we're suffering with this stupid cold thing and sort of waiting for it to disappear. And uh, just looking at the items in the studio day. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten items we need. Oh, eleven. I beg your pardon. Eleven items that we need to bring down to the studio to get us through till six thirty. It is sadly pathetic. I can only apologise in advance for being daft on a Thursday. It's as simple as that. It just doesn't work. Although, actually, it was very funny yesterday. I thought I say very funny. It wasn't funny at all, actually. Um, and I, I was walking out the building. And generally speaking, I'm, I'm not exactly 100% with it when I walk out the building. I mean, I'm sort, of, I'm sort of with it, but not 100% with it. And I was walking down the road, and, and somebody went, Hello, Steve. And I thought, I don't generally respond to anybody. I, m- I might just go, oh, hello, like that, thinking, oh, I don't know much this might be a listener. Could be anybody, I don't know. As it turned out, it was the new reporter for Nick Ferrari's programme, Tom Swarbrick, who, um, who apparently... So we had this little chat, you know, we both sort of at this end of the day. He went to bed at half past seven the night before because I think he's newly married. Anyway, so he, he goes to bed at half past seven. And I said, what time do you get up? He said, I get up at four. I thought, I bet your wife loves that. You know, two people in the bed, then one person's going to bed before anybody else. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Just ridiculous. But I a little chat He's very tall, very good-looking boy. It reminds me of me at his age. (coughs) But unfortunately, I've shrunk over the years and the looks have gone. Uh, David in uh, Streetham is up early, off to Gatwick for an early flight for a week of sun and rest, armed with podcasts of you and Ian Dale. Well, I've never been shared with Ian Dale before now. It's almost an insult. (laughs) He says, as for the girl in Selfridges, as a regular shopper, I'm often appalled by the way their young, funky staff look and their tattoos and piercings. That said, the Creme de la Mer girls and boys always look immaculately groomed and have the best manners, mind you, at the cost of the Creme. Have you, have you, have you ever noticed how many gay men there are in Selfridges working on the makeup counters? They all look like clones of Rylan. They're all a little bit too over made up. They look like Jordan's aging makeup artist, still wearing makeup at the age of, I don't know, 120 or whatever he is now. But uh, all the makeup boys in Selfridges, I mean, I don't think there's anybody heterosexual in there at all. I mean, they really do look very, very. And all you feel like saying is that old ab abfablime get over yourself, you're just a shop girl, okay? Um, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Mark says, uh, nice to hear you back on the uh, the airwaves. He says, the voice sounds a bit throaty. <clears> throat> Actually, excuse me, it sounds a bit throatier than usual today. So I'm going to have... Because it didn't sound this throaty yesterday. It didn't sound this throaty. So I'm going to try this, uh, this Covonia stuff here. Mm. Like, oh, I hate the taste. Oh, God, I hate the taste of that one. Actually, one of these days, I'm going to shove the nasal spray at the back of my throat. Oh, God, I hate the taste of Cavonia. Well, it's a little bit better, isn't it? La, 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 la. Um, has Lucy Mecklenburg taken Mario back? What a drip she is. Because he's, he's in deep depression, isn't he, Mario? It was in the papers yesterday. This is Mario Falcone, otherwise known as that big girl's blouse. And he's got loads of tattoos, and apparently, he's very depressed about Lucy and all the rest of it. But I thought she's got a wandering eye. And if you've got a wandering eye, I mean, she's a bit of a drip. She turned up the other day, had a picture taken with Chantel. We mentioned them for this uh, Richard Desmond magazine. I, quite, I'm, I do admire Richard Desmond because he's managed to turn round, you know, the magazine. Because he can't get proper celebrities, they have to create their own celebrities. So on the front of OK! magazine, you've got the likes of Samir Garda and some, you know, some skater bloke who's been around the block half a dozen times. Uh, and then a picture of Chantel, her bloke buys her diamonds. If it's from any of these shopping channels on the television, love, I'd take them back because they're rubbish. There's something today. The usual over-exuberance on the shopping channels for the jewellery stuff. You know, oh, I can't believe... Look Oh, you're going to love this piece. And out comes this most grotesque, chavvy piece of cut glass you've ever seen. Up comes the price. 649 quid. And uh, Bimbo goes into raptures over this one. I can't believe... This is just... Oh, it's so gorgeous and gorgeous. Anyway, eventually Bimbo stops doing the hard breathing, and she's obviously come off Babe Station, and, uh, and wanders down to the fact that you can buy this piece of rubbish for £69. And believe it or not, a few saddos actually phone up to buy this stuff. It's a real topaz from Nigeria, she goes, assuming that most things that come from Nigeria are fraudulent. This thing didn't look any different to me at all. So Lucy Mecklenburg taking Mario back. Oh, well, she's all by herself, isn't she? And who's going to touch her? Who's going to touch her after she's been with Mario? You know, it's, it's not the kind of thing... She's just a bit drippy and wet. She can't. I love the way they call her a model. When was the last time you saw Lucy Mecklenburg doing any modelling? Is that a loose term for faded old has-been, don't do nothing, hangs around with tattooed boy? I can't think of any other reason. I can't think of any other reason why she's sort of uh, out there. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Nick in Berkshire has given up on this program. This is ITV. Put Colombo on. You sad person. You sad. Don't you have a box set? Obviously not a fan then, are you? Properly? Obviously not a proper fan. I'm afraid. If you're a proper fan of Colombo, mate, you've got the complete box sets. I nearly got an interview with him. Sadly, he died. Uh, I can't watch daytime television now, except the right stuff. Says Naomi. Uh, the ITV presenters are unbearable. Oh, you can cope with uh, Mr. Wright, Kenny. I quite like him, but I've noticed that they have to put... Obviously, the, the producer, because I don't think he, he has any say in who puts the programme together. They've got some really, really bad people on his, on his panel. Some are friends, which is the TV people, which is OK. I can cope with that. But yesterday they had... Um, who was that cokehead off EastEnders? Oh, Daniela Westbrook. And uh, she was on there. Doing the, you, don't, you would never go to Danielle Westbrook and ask for an opinion on the newspapers, would you? I mean, I wouldn't. It's not the kind of thing that I would I would be interested in. I want to see some people who understand what they're talking about. I'm not saying I want to see the same people all the time, because you do tend to see that, don't you? Actually, I've just thought of somebody who we haven't seen for ages on LBC, but that's, uh, that's another thing. Uh, one here says, uh, uh, I love your show. You make me laugh a lot. I live in Oman, which is lovely. I, uh, I wake up in the morning 8.30am here. I bet the weather's nice. I bet the weather's very nice in Amman. I've never been to Amman, actually. Uh, 84850. And uh, one here. Uh, And this is... Wait a minute. Uh, Wait a minute. Trying to weave everything. Oh, somebody says vinegar. Vinegar is very good. Uh, June in uh, Orpington says, you were looking for chicken Kiev. I like chicken tarka. It's like chicken tikka but a little otter. Little... Oh, it doesn't matter. 84850stevedlbc.co.uk uh, eight eight oh, Cars in Ireland have the year and uh, county on the number plate, uh, which is good. Oh, Sue in Kingston says, Guess what? I found a roll plug in my handbag. Yes, we all remember that. Remember that television quiz? Things you can find in a handbag. And what was on the list of a woman's handbag? A roll plug, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Isn't it absolutely amazing? A A roll plug. And we all went, don't be so stupid. That was one of these, uh, these uh, sort of lying programmes overnight. Not so good. Uh, 84850, uk. Al says, how come you don't go to the, uh, the Watford, I think the, uh, the Watford Costco nearer. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's absolutely not. Definitely not. No, it's, it's quicker for me to go straight down the motorway on the M4 takes me about 30 minutes, and I can be there. To go to Watford, far busier. Yesterday, nice and empty in Costco in Reading. Nice and empty. The Watford one, full of chavs. Absolutely full of chavs. You've never seen so many people in there. That's where all the shoplifting goes on there. Terrible. People break open boxes and start stealing sweets. Ghastly. Ghastly. So, uh, that's why. I do go to that one, actually. I do go to that one, but I do not. Um, I don't go as often as possible, because it means coming in to town, I'm afraid. And coming into town, not particularly brilliant. Not particularly brilliant. Uh, it's all right to do it in a, on, a, on a weekend, but I don't want to do it during the week, I'm afraid. So I do Reading. It's much easier to go down the M4. It's lovely. You drive down, it's all fields and, you know, bad drivers and uh, coaches and things like that. I love it when you get cars that come up right behind you. That really—that's that's one of my favourite to- my my favourite pleasures in my car. If you could have a favourite pleasure in your car, mine would be. Yesterday, I was listening to a nice bit of uh, hip music and uh, driving down the motorway. <clears throat> so la 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 la, and doing quite well. And then I get this car that comes up behind me, and it was one of those little blue type cars where they've sort of done the black windows themselves at the back, and they've obviously put go faster stripes on. And the only thing this car can do is build up speed over period of time. So, in other words, it takes him about, you know, three or four miles to get up to 70 or 80 miles an hour. So, by the time he's actually got behind me, he's really flooring it, but he needs me to move so he can just get that little bit faster. And what I like to do is, I like to slow him down by just taking my foot off the accelerator a little bit. So, I go to sort of, you know, 65, and he's there behind me, and he's so desperate for me to move. And then... I just touch the accelerator and, and I just leave him there. Of course, by that time, another car's come up behind him and he's got to pull into the middle lane. It's cruel, isn't it, really? But I do derive a great sense of enjoyment out of doing it, ladies and gentlemen, such as the perils of having a big, fast car. Quarter to five. This is a Steve Allen. Richard Bryars is dead. OK, that's the end of it. He had his funeral the other day and they all turned. The producer went, let's talk about Richard Bryars. He went, he's dead. You know, we talked about him when he was alive. But they all pitched up yesterday, and uh, 200 family and friends gave him, uh, you know, a good send-off. Nice man. Nice man. That's all I can say. Nice man. But they were all there, from Prunella Scales to Penelope Keith, uh, Emma Thompson, even Felicity Kendall, scotching any rumours that there was something going on that uh, they didn't get on at all. And he uh, he he'd, he'd described her as being somewhat odd, I think, at times. But uh, she was there. And of course, she's the one who makes all the all the all the photographs in the papers. It's Felicity Kendall, mainly because after he died, she was resolutely quiet on it. She didn't say very much at all. So that's why I think all the papers have put her in. There's no other reason, apart from the fact that every likes her. But uh, I'm, as you get a bit older, I suppose there must be that element, mustn't there? Of listen, we just it was just a job. OK, I wasn't really his wife. It was just we were playing two parts. We're actors. But you must build up some sort of relationship. A God in oh knows what Emma Thompson was wearing. I mean, she started to be as barking mad as Helena Bonham Carter. Who I do, in all her films, I love Helena Bonham Carter. But her sense of fashion, I'm afraid, leaves me absolutely stunned. And Emma Thompson, the other, and o God knows what you were wearing, dear. God knows what you were wearing, but, uh, but interesting. I suppose it's called fashion. Perhaps I just don't understand things. Er, uh, 84850, Kevin the Miltman says, I, said, um, I should imagine Daniela Westbrook's opinion of newspapers is, not bad, but a rolled-up fiver does the job better. Morning to all the Facebookers, and, uh, quack, quack, to Mother Duckling. Uh, Andrew says, he doesn't exercise, no push-ups, and eats junk food a lot, and doesn't even walk, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Steve Allen Show. Um, what do you mean, no exercise? Listen, rich from you, you fat boy. Do a lot more exercise than you, matey. You're in Streatham. You don't need to do anything at all. Work, walk to the local kebab shop. That's about as far as it goes. Best chicken Kiev in Costco, says Ron. Oh, right. Hamid says, have you heard about the chocolate cakes in Ikea? Yes. Thank you very much indeed. Did you see Gemma doing keep fit on the Onlyways Essex? Looked like she was going to have a heart attack. Yes. I think it's on the Extra podcast. Poor old soul. Uh, as usual, fat girl fat who can't lose any weight, has decided that in an effort to come up with a lame storyline, her and fat, uninteresting, uneducated, thicko arge uh, should do a kind of like a sponsored workout. And so all the thin people on there have to watch these two fat lardies trying to lose weight. And, of course, it's just a joke, isn't it? I mean, there's no way. I mean, she's fat because she stuffs her face. Nothing you can do about it. Um, Alison reckons they've got a tattoo parlour in Selfridges. A tattoo parlour in Selfridge? Where? I know Selfridge is like the back of my hand. I've never heard of a... T- they wouldn't have a tattoo parlour in there. They wouldn't get the licence for it. They'd never get a licence for a tattoo parlour. You've got to be... Uh, something completely. They- they've got two people who read palms, haven't they? Well, there are two people there in the book department who sort of... You can go in there and have a holistic reading or something. I've never heard of a tattoo parlour. Find out if there's a tattoo parlour... In Selfridges. We're having a check on that one. I've never heard of it before, and I've been going there for donkey's years. Donkey's years. 84850, steve UK. Uh I've just realised, says Jan, it's your uh, birthday next week. How nice. It's on a Sunday. You're three weeks younger than my partner Don, who has a big birthday in 2014. Oh, right. He said, Sorry that your cough and throat problems have been ongoing for so long, but you still sound on form despite them. I saw the Northern Lights in Norway last month. Phenomenal. If you haven't done it, I really recommend it. I saw them in the Arctic Circle. Mm, 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 which I think is kind of better, isn't it? Yes, I saw the Aurora Borealis. It was fantastic. It's just one of those <clears throat> natural phenomena, phenomena that you want to uh, to look at. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I remember rushing inside, saying to people, quick, 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 Northern Lights. And they were all less than impressed. But I loved it. Excuse me. I have to do my slurpy, slurpy water bit. Actually, it's a bit more raspy today. I wonder if it's the, do you think it's the curry that's taken the roof of my mouth off. You never know. Um, so here's a picture of uh, the good life and all the stars mourning Richard Briers. As I say, the best thing you can ever say about Richard Bryers is he was a nice man. He was a nice man. He played nice men. You know, he was. If you wanted him to live next door to you, it just worked. That program worked. I couldn't care less whether they got on, whether they didn't get on. I, d- I don't care. For us, as the as the great viewing public, it worked. You know, from uh, from Margo and Jerry next door to Felicity Kendall playing his wife, and there, you know, it was just, it was just great. It was great, and we all want to live there, don't we? We all want to be. <clears throat> in that family. We all want to be part of it. Thomas Cook are axing jobs, two and a half thousand, but they say a lot of them will be uh, background jobs. And I think 195 stores. And I have to ask the question, because my friend John, as you know, has got uh, his own travel agents, and he does a lot of what they call bespoke holidays. Because what people do nowadays, and he's, he's found this more and more, is that people uh, go in and they, they sit down with somebody, and somebody will work out a long holiday. And then they go, OK, thank you. And then they walk out, and they go and book it on the internet. So what John does now, which is what a lot of people do, is they say, listen, I'll charge you for my time. If you if you buy the holiday from us, we'll knock that, that money off. But if you don't, well, then that's what it's cost you. Because, you know, I don't see why somebody should have to do loads and loads of work and give of their their time. And John organises trips for lots of famous people. But he could equally operate from home. He doesn't really need to have a shop, and Thomas Cook will probably discover the same thing. Although most people around Twickenham, we do have a Thomas Cook shop, and people go in. There. I think you go in there, you pick up a brochure, and then you, uh, and then you sort of go in there, and then you just go, "I'd like to to book the holiday here," and and I can't, I can't really knock it because that's the way I've done it. I've I've never done a holiday any other way, but what I tend to do now is, I tend to if I'm going to Vegas, we tend to. Um, book the flight, and we book the hotel separately. So I don't need to go through a travel agent. You know, sometimes I'll get John to uh, to book the holiday. I'll get him to book... Not the holiday. I'll get him to book the flight for me. And he does that, and he also books my... He sorts out the Esther for me, and he'll sort out the car parking at Gatwick or wherever it happens to be, because I like to do the valet parking. So it means when I come back, they bring the car round, and uh, and I just, I just get in and drive away, which is much easier. Re-tattoos in Selfridges, as far as we can find out, it was in Selfridges, Alison, but it ain't there now. It was called Metal Mor- Morphosis. Uh, we think now it's moved to Top Shop. We think it's, but we're not sure. But Paul in Hackney rang, and he confirmed there is a tattoo parlour in Selfridges. He knows that because uh, one of our former presenters had a tattoo done there and told everybody about it on air. Oh, dear. Bit of a worry. Bit of a worry. So, so at the moment, we think it's not there. Somebody else thinks it's there. I love the way... Honestly, aren't the British public so, so simple at times? You've probably seen this commercial on the television, and it's a little Shetland pony who's moonwalking. Do you know there are people who genuinely believe that the pony is seriously moonwalking? And so they've got an interview with the woman who owns it today, and uh, the, the, the pony is called uh, Milday Socks, and it's been enjoyed by millions of viewers... And it's uh, it's only a little, a little, a little. Um, what do they call it? Oh, I don't know. Little um, Shetland pony. But it's, he's not very tall. He's only thirty-two and a half inches. Bless his heart. He's a four-year-old stallion, plucked from obscurity. And because he does this, mo- he doesn't really do moonwalking. Okay, it's like the little baby they put down on the floor. He does that rock and roll gangman style dancing, which I think is equally funny. It, I mean, it is very funny, actually. It's probably on the LBC website, I shouldn't wonder. Normally the sort of thing that would pop up there just to give you a smile at the beginning of the day. And it is funny, but the amount of people who think it's real. You know, can we teach our uh, our horse to do that as well? And the answer is no, you can't. Nearest you get to it is the, is the Spanish riding school in Vienna, the Lipazanas, the famous white Lipazanas. My father used to ride with the Lipazanas. When he was stationed in Germany, he used to ride with the Lipazanas. It's our only claim to fame. The the reason is that in the summer when you go to Vienna and you think, oh, we'll go to Vienna and we'll go to the Spanish Riding School, it's closed in the summer. It's only open in the winter. In the summer, all the horses are sent out to pasture and that's when my dad used to ride them because he was stationed over in Germany. Absolutely amazing. There's a woman in the papers today called Denise Stewart. She's 48. She has no medical training, but for six years... Having stolen the identity of a nurse, she carried out smear tests and vaccinations in GP surgeries, and she's finally been caught. I mean it's unbelievable she's uh, I mean she's quite clearly mentally ill, so she was uh, I mean really the nursing and Midwifery council should have checked this woman out. she had no training whatsoever she stole the identity and uh, she also forged documents i mean she's, she should be locked up immediately. But the trouble is there are people, aren't there, who sort of want to be... I've, I've heard of stories before of people who want to be ambulance drivers. And so what they do is they, they go and buy a uniform and an old ambulance and they pitch up at... Uh, they sit there listening to their little CB radio and they pitch up and they start offering advice. This woman here worked at several practices, uh, but the NMC never checked. Never checked at all. So for six years she carried out tests on women. She was fake. How would you know? The answer is, you wouldn't know nowadays. You go into a, a surgery, you expect the person in there to be fully qualified. Unfortunately, in her case, she wasn't. But she'd been doing it for six years. And proof, if proof were needed, and I said it on this programme, when we were introduced to the uh, thieving old Skyver Heather Frost. I say thieving, she thieves money from us as a nation. She doesn't do any work. She's got 11 children. She's jobless, quite clearly. She doesn't want to work. The family, you know, all chavs. And, um... She's nasty. I said at the time, there's more to this story than meets the eye, and she tormented a poor widow who lived next door with uh, years of abuse, stone-throwing, banging on the walls, loud music, everything. A really, really nasty people. Heather Frost, a piece of disgusting work, the sort of person, and the council go, well, we're going to rehouse her in a bigger house. As far as I'm concerned, love, get off your fat bum... Get out there and get a job, or we're taking away all your benefits. Well, as I'm concerned, mass sterilisation would not have gone amiss here. It went on for ages and ages, and the poor widow next door had to suffer as a result. Uh, Really, really dreadful. She's had noise, verbal abuse shouted through the letterbox. Quite clearly, Heather Frost is a piece of filth. A nasty, nasty piece of work that doesn't deserve to actually be with decent people in this day and age. But, you know, she's there... And, um, you know, she's one of those sort of, one of, those sort of people who, um, who, if she lived next door to you, you'd be very, very cross, because she would be banging on the walls. It's just... It's unnecessary. You know, the one thing we all want in this day and age, <clears throat> you know, is people who are nice as your neighbours. You don't want somebody, you know, with 11 children who's abusive. And, unfortunately, Heather, you're abusive. Well, one day, somebody meters out the same punishment to you, and you can suffer in your old age as well, like the other people that you've made suffer... Out your uh, short but waste of a space life. Uh, Still to come, the sham wedding racket. They didn't even know each other's names. Very tragic. On conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Four minutes uh, past five. It's a very interesting story. Apart from the the ram raiding of the Gucci store, where quite clearly they'll steal somebody's car, drive it into a shop window. We see this more and more. It happens uh, because a lot of these upmarket stores uh, keep stuff in the window. And so people ram, there's no point in going up there with a sledgehammer because it's security glass, so they drive a car into it and then they steal handbags, many of which could be worth up to £200, uh, sorry, £2,000 an item. So if you're stealing 10 handbags, you know, it's £20,000, and you can always shift bags, you can always shift upmarket bags. There'll be somebody who'll buy one, uh, they don't want to spend £2,000 on it, but they might spend £500 on it. So, if you go and pinch a car and drive it in, we've seen it more and more, haven't we? We've seen little people on uh, motorbikes ram raiding places. I mean, I suppose the only thing to do is to literally have nothing in shop windows to look at. Or if you do, just have fakes in there. You can buy very good fakes nowadays. Put fakes in the window. Let them steal fakes. Doesn't make any difference. Or failing that, just have the security guards inside the stores. But uh, I was looking at that story on the internet, and then surprise, surprise. There's a story of a guy called Kirk Watson. Uh, Kirk Watson is a beggar. Uh, He sits on the streets of Newcastle and he begs. How much do you think he makes a day? 150 quid a day on average is what he makes. Why would you bother working when this uh, heroin and cocaine addict, uh, he says, people give me lots to eat, I get things like pasties, cups of coffee, (coughs) excuse me, and hot chocolate. He says, when he can't beg, he turns to petty crime to fund his drug addiction. He said, so he sits outside Milligan's Bakery, where generous shoppers offer him a staggering amount of uh, food. He's making more money than they are. You see, I often wonder about beggars who sit on the streets in London. Can't you stand? Have you got no use of your legs or something? It's it's more than producers make. Just for sitting there, you know, in a sleeping... For some reason, they all sit in sleeping bags. I could understand it if they were war veterans and they'd had their legs amputated. But they're all perfectly able-bodied young people who sit there because they're too bone idle under cash points. Have you got any spare change? Have you noticed they've all got stupid voices? They all sound like they've wandered off the only way as Essex. Have you got any change? Got any cha- I'm sorry, can you speak properly? Oh, excuse me, do you have any change? No. Go and get a job. I never give people any money on the streets of London. You're feeding drug habits. Don't be so stupid. Don't give them anything at all. Make them get up there. You give them food. You give them food. God, I wouldn't even waste money giving them food, I'm afraid. I know, as far as I'm concerned, they could starve. They all look perfectly healthy out there to me. They don't look as though they're on their last legs. They're not like they're elderly people sitting there going, oh, I haven't got anything, you know. They just sit there, you know, with their little sign-up, because some of them can't even re- speak, you know, uh, uh, unemployed, hungry, well, go and get a job, Love. Go and ask a pub if you can clear glasses for them of an evening. You know, it's not difficult. Don't ever give them money. You're just making the problem worse. But this bloke, 150 quid a day. What a laugh he's having at your expense. What a laugh he's having. You know, as opposed to getting help for heroin addiction, people give him money. Uh, I'm working in, in Boston, and you're on in reception in my hotel. I did a double take as I waited for the elevator, says Darren in East London, in Boston. It's quite a nice idea, isn't it? Why would somebody be listening in a Boston hotel to a radio station in London? You can't quite work that one out, can you? Yes, which hotel is it? Probably for, I mean, for heaven's sake, I want royalties. It ought to be broadcast in Boston. Thank you very much indeed. I work for Next in central London. And they make us choose the uniform from the shop floor every season, and it has to be strictly smart. I think employees in retail should dress up better and set an example, says Hammond. I totally agree. If I go into a shop, it's like going to McDonald's. If there's somebody standing behind the counter with filthy, dirty clothes on, you don't want to go there, do you? So they make them wear a uniform. And if you go into Selfridges or any department store, I want people to look smart. You walk into Global, you walk up the staircase, from the moment you see Courtney downstairs, everybody looks smart. Not ev- not everybody's looking smart, but most of them, they, they do. They're wearing their sort of black shirts, black trousers, things like that. They look smart. It's a uniform. Sven's had a little uniform designed for him when he does the coffee. Designed by the same person I think, did the Wanted's uh, outfits. Although, to be honest with you, I thought they just wore jeans and T-shirts. I couldn't quite get my head around that one. But everybody's got outfits here. You know, if you work in different department, all the cleaners, they've got outfits. You know, so you know. You know what, what people are. And that's all it is. We're not asking for anything complicated, are we? All we want to do is, is have people looking smart. You know, I don't want somebody sort of pitching up with sort of, you know sort of three days' growth of beard and dirty fingernails. Like Grace Brothers, you know, you'd be inspected every morning. Hands, hands, and the other side, go and wash them. You know, you should take some some pride, but some people don't, I'm afraid. Some people don't. Uh, 84850, oh, stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, there's apparently a new advert on the television for a fizzy drink. And uh, went on forever and cost a fortune, says Ben. I don't know. Tattoo in Selfridges moved to Topshop. I thought TK Maxx or Matterland would be more appropriate. Yes, I mean, I, I mean to be honest with you, the Innish shop has got a tattoo in there. Not so good. Uh, 84850. Uh, Alison says, how sad you doubt me. Well, I'm afraid I have to doubt you, Alison. You come from Walthamstow. I mean, good got straight away. Straight away, just the word Walthamstow. She says, uh, Bill Buckley apparently had it done there. Well, that one must be donkey's years ago. Donkeys, I mean, these 190, for God's sake. Ridiculous. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. 2010 is the last record. Two, Three years ago, that's the last record we can find of tattoos in Selfridges. I mean, how tacky, ladies and gentlemen. It's not been mentioned on the Mr Selfridge programme, has it? No, I don't think so. Uh, 84850, Tesco, finest chicken Kiev, says Max. I'm sorry, I'm not doing Tesco. I explained that yesterday. I'm not doing Tesco. I can't trust them. I'm sorry. I cannot trust them. They've had to take out uh, adverts in the paper because they source their stuff overseas. Is it proper chicken fillets or is it uh, sourced chicken? Um, Apparently, uh, there's a tattoo parlour in Selfridges, Birmingham, says Matt. Lovely. Well, the best place for it, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Andrew says... I've always done keep fit military exercise. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, 84850, steve lbc.co.uk. And a uh, little one here from uh, Joe in Surrey. He says, your pathetic motorway games you mentioned are crass and dangerous. Uh, really? Well, I hope you're the one behind me next time I do it then, matey. I'll look forward to that. That'll be very funny. Very fair. There's nothing crass about it. What, taking your foot off the accelerator? You think that's crass, do you? You're even more stupid than you sound. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. George says, I feed the beggars dogs. That's even worse. Don't feed them. You don't give these people any money or anything at all. 99% are feeding drugs habits. 99% of them are on benefits. 99% are ripping you off royally. Don't give them cigarettes. Give them nothing. Make them get out there and work. Okay. Uh, Alan says, I remember when I was younger, me and a friend were out shopping and a homeless man was begging. My friend felt sorry for him. She went home, gave him food and money, and uh, then we see him driving a very flash car. Well, didn't the um, didn't the uh, newspaper expose that, the standard, some years ago? They had a beggar outside Leicester Square Tube Trade, and they followed him, and he had a car round the corner. He was just coming out begging. Oh. A lot of the beggars, says Joanne in Highgate, are our servicemen who have come back from Iraq. Don't be so stupid, they're not... They're absolutely not. I've never heard something so ridiculous in my entire life. You seriously think that? well wait, wait a minute. No, no, you're mad as a broom, aren't you, dear? You don't know who you are, actually. Get some help. Medical help. Get medical help, love, quick as possible. They're not people from Iraq sitting on the pavement. They're looked after very well. What do you think help for heroes is? Oh, dear, honestly. You get some dumb people. Can you believe that Harrod stopped some people going in? I can't believe this. Wearing Welsh national costume. I mean, admittedly, you look a bit of a plank wearing it. You know, so the, these women pitched up there, and uh, I don't know what they call the Welsh national costume. There's probably a name for it. I know they have coracles and things like that. These are these tall black hats, but it didn't meet the dress code. A uniformed woman security officer told them you can't come in here dressed like that. Out-and-out out racism, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned. Although, if you are a security guard at Harrods, your English might not be your first language. She might not have seen these people before. She might have thought they were sort of munchkins from The Wizard of Oz, because that's what they look like a little bit. Uh, the group, including a doctor, oh dear, an NHS manager, a lawyer and a fashion designer, spent 200 quid to make sure that the, uh, on March the 1st, when, it's when the Welsh honour their patron saint, St David, you know, look, see you bark, is a leak, I can't believe it. M'Fanwi is just coming down the road. Lovely. Anyway, there were a weekend theatre trip and uh, a trip to the Harrods Champagne Bar. Yesterday, Harrods had to apologise grovellingly. I think so too. And pointed out the women were allowed in after security checks. Absolutely ridiculous. The first woman security officer who stopped us uh, was quite rude and said we couldn't enter the store because we were in our national costume. (coughs) She says, as we stood there... An Asian woman in a sari and an African woman in lovely, sorry, (coughs) colourful robes walked in. And they never said anything, anything at all. So uh, it's only when the women protested that they were being racially abused that Harrods grovelled. I think so too. I mean, it's funny, isn't it, that? You know, I mean, perhaps the security guard was a bit thick, you know. And uh, uh, the woman... Didn't want to wait. Went to another entrance where they were admitted, as by that time the security team were aware they were wearing national dress. Perhaps we should have to point out to the, se- the, uh, the security people in Harrods that there are lots of different... You know, if I turned up in a bowler hat with a copy of the Financial Times and a rolled-up umbrella, would I be barred from Harrods? No. Do you think if somebody turned up in a kilt, they would be barred from Harrods? No. Because otherwise you'd have particularly stupid security guards. I think they need retraining, so somebody can explain that... Uh, Ridiculous, So these poor women might have looked, just because they're Welsh, does not exclude them. It was racist, and if you let somebody in an African national dress and women in saris, then women wearing Welsh national costume, admittedly, come on, you don't see it that often. You don't walk down the high street and go, oh, look, Welsh national costume. You don't even see it in Wales. Generally speaking, in Wales, you do see people face down in the gutter. You know, in Cardiff on a Saturday night, lot of drink, and not many people, it has to be said, we included, nobody wearing Welsh national costume. But that's just the way it is. These headlines with Sam Pittus. A car's been driven into the flagship Goot Seven Point three. And after news at seven this morning, as it has been announced that civil servants are to stage a strike on Budget Day, Nick will be wanting to know, is it time to get tough on the public sector? Nick Clegg, of course, in the studio. You know, every day is almost a revelation, isn't it? I'm so glad he's in the studio every Thursday, sometimes on a Wednesday, because there's just so much to ask him. There is so much to ask him. And uh, it'll be Labour's immigration policy, I should imagine, at the top of the list today. Boris's new cycling plan for London and David Cameron's plans for the economy. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 o'clock. Looking at the papers this morning, Camilla Tomane the Royal Editor of the Sunday Express. I've just noticed, actually, having sort of sorted out those nice ladies from Welsh Wales, uh, because obviously somebody thought they were in fancy dress, which I find equally as offensive, I'm afraid. You know, they turn up... We don't see Welsh national costume very often in London. At Harrods, quite clearly, the security guard there hadn't ever seen it at all and had to check on what the company's dress code was which I find grossly insulting, grossly insulting. As I say, we had to put up the little short fat bloke in his statue inside Harrods, so if they let him in, for goodness sake, they must let anybody in. But no, these ladies didn't get in, but they did, because by the time they decided to sort of stand there and be humiliated by a security guard, they'd wandered around to another entrance, you know, having sort of said, excuse me, this is racist, which quite clearly it is, as they were letting everybody else in. And imagine if everybody in African national dress or uh, women in saris were all barred, or women in burqas, or kneecaps, so they, uh, you know, all of those sort of people. You Imagine, there'd be nobody left in Harrods, would there? Anyway, they've apologised most profusely. I wonder whether or not Harrods have got a Welsh department where they sell all things Wales. Perhaps they've never seen this kind of thing before. But anyway, they ha- have apologised and said, we uh, uh, welcome all visitors in national costume. I'm joining the National Nudist League today and I shall be going in in my national costume, which is a fig leaf. And uh, we'll wait and see how far I get. Do you remember one time... Now, what did they ban? What did they ban? Because a friend of mine tried to get in and I think it was men with bags over their shoulders. I think it was shoulder bags or duffel bags or something. Yeah, there was something. When it was under the uh, the auspices of, uh, of Al-Fayed, I think they banned men from taking these bags, so... A lot of men started going in with these bags on because they thought people were going to shoplift, I suppose, you know, worrying about it. But, I mean, to stop women in national costume, nothing short of stupid. Anyway, they have uh, apologised and said that's not their policy, which, of course, I'd be very surprised if it it would have been. Oh, guess who's coming back to the country? Oh, good. Just when you thought it was all fine. June Sarpong is gracing us with her presence again. Having disappeared some years ago to go to America, where presumably it didn't work out, and that's why she's coming back, uh, she's, uh, she's hosting a symposium tomorrow for her international network, Women, Inspiration and Enterprise. I hate these kind of things. I absolutely hate these kind of things. I find it patronising in the extreme. But anyway, June Sarpong, who was never the greatest presenter, apparently is in talks with Channel 4 about a new show. Oh, God, how awful. I can't think of anything worse. She used to go out with David Lammy. Otherwise known as David Lamy at the time, because he, uh, he really wasn't up to the, uh, the mark, I'm afraid. Then they split up. Then she went to America and she's back here to look for a husband as well. So quite clearly, it definitely hasn't worked out. And uh, she says here, she says, her job will take a back seat when she does start a family. She's not found a man at the moment. They're that desperate to try and get something written in Richard Kay's column. And uh, she says, if you're a woman and you're over 40, your TV career is not what it was 10 years earlier. Why don't you do something else, dear? Why would you assume that we want to see you back on television? Why is it that people think, if you've been on television, that you always are on television? Why don't you try something else? Shelf stacking. You know, flipping burgers. Doing something. Don't really know why. You know, you think we want to see you back on television. You weren't that much cop last time around. Strange enough, though, Emma Forbes is in the papers today as well. She's not... uh, She's worked out why she's not on primetime television or on television full stop. What do you think the reason is? She says, I don't suck up to male presenters enough. She said, I think I'm too feisty. I just can't simper to men like so many women I know on television. It makes me sick. Who? Who? Name names. I want to know the names of the women who were... Well, probably Lisa Faulkner, I should imagine, yesterday. It gets worse, I'm afraid, on this, this food programme with Ben Shepard. It really it doesn't it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bode well for the future. It's just not a good programme. It's two people who haven't, don't seem to have a direction... And they don't know what they're doing. It doesn't, doesn't quite work, I'm afraid, as far as, as far as I'm concerned. But I thought that Emma Forbes, the only thing she was doing on television, now was advertising some powder from America where it's, it's an all-in-one. And they put her down as TV presenter. I suppose once you've been on television, then you can always be on television. You're always known then as a TV presenter. Oh, and before I forget... At the beginning of the programme, I should have mentioned Kate Middleton. Do you remember when uh, all the uh, the bookies went into overtime yesterday? Because they were going, she's having a daughter because she said the D word. You know, I'll give that teddy to my... D- and then she held back. The word she was coming up with was apparently dog. Dog. She wasn't talking about daughter, it was dog. She was going to give the teddy to her dog. No, I couldn't work it out either. I wasn't too sure whether or not the Duchess was actually telling Porky pies. Or whether somebody's gone, let's not uh, start this one. Although, as I pointed out yesterday on the programme, what difference it makes, you know, over over what she's having. You know, unless she's having something different from the rest of uh, ladies out there. And she's having a small fridge freezer. Or at best, a washing machine. You know, it's either a girl or it's a boy. Why it would be a surprise? I don't know. They must have been told by now. They must have had all the scans. But no, she said, dog. It was going to be, I'm going to give the teddy to my dog. No, I didn't believe it either, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not that naive or stupid or green as I am cabbage-looking, I'm afraid. As far as I'm concerned, she was going to say the word daughter, and she just has now had to, to twist it round. But there's been a betting frenzy, I'm afraid. All the people, the bookies, are go, ooh. And all the bookies are like, they get very excited over, over various uh, stupid non-events. Um, what else have we got? Uh, The Apprentice winner, Stella English, claims she was written off as a nice girl who don't do a lot. I think she's, as I say, most of the people on The Apprentice, they want to be famous. I've seen so many of them, and so many of them are just deluded crackpots, I'm afraid. Deluded, big-headed people who should have been slapped down a long, long time ago. Uh, It's Easter eggs. When is Easter egg weekend, is it? Last end of March, is it? I can't believe they're on sale already. I mean, we're only up to the 7th of March, and already... I mean, my birthday's first. Don't want to be forgetting that one, do we, in a hurry? But I'm looking at all the Easter eggs. And they're doing all of them now at Tesco at half price, £2. And you remember that we launched on this programme, or we mentioned the other day, the first Christian egg. A Christian Easter egg. Apparently, the church have been campaigning for years, and uh, they finally got one into a lot of the stores, but it's three ninety nine. And I said, nobody's going to be buying it. Nobody's going to be buying an Easter egg. It's exactly the same Easter egg inside as everybody else's, except this one's got a Jesus message on the outside. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's a little bit ludicrous, a little bit too late. Things have been eating them for ages and ages. And parents very much now are governed by price. Why spend three ninety nine on one egg because it's got a Christian message? Do you think the kids look at the outside packaging? Of course they don't. Of course they don't. They're more interested in the egg inside. They couldn't care less what it says on the box. You know, you could say to them, this is a, a Cadbury's mini-egg egg. What does it say on the box? I don't know. What, 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 what do you buy it for? So it's got an egg inside it. Here's Here's a Malteser's egg. Why did you buy it? Because it's got Malteser's in it. You're not buying it for a Christian message on the outside. Just nothing short of ludicrous that people would be interested in buying it for three ninety nine. So that's £4. Pounds, whereas at uh, Tesco, you could buy two eggs. If you've got three children or four children... Well, in the case of that ghastly old bag of a mother 11, I should imagine she's probably doing quite nicely. She seems to do quite well with everything else. And, um, and uh, you know, she's a sort of person that you think Easter must be costing a lot of money for her. You're not going to be buying Christian eggs, I'm afraid. It's just, it's not the kind of thing that you're going to want to do. It's at £4 pounds a time. It's, it's too much money. You know, people are very careful with their money nowadays. Very, very careful. Dancing lessons springs to mind. Dancing lessons. I was, I was watching the Dancing on Ice programme the other day, and it's as bad as it ever was. And We must be due strictly to come back, mustn't we? I think. I think strictly is coming back very shortly. I'd love to learn to dance. I, c- I can ballroom dance. I could do one, two, three, one, two, three, one. Two. I could do that. I could do rock and roll. I can do jive. I can do Willie and the Hand Jive. Uh, that's always quite good. That was a good song. One of my favourites. And uh, what else can I do? I'm, actually, I'm very... I, I can't body pop. It's the only thing I can't do. I cannot body pop. I wish... I, yeah, I know a lot of people like to see me uh, try... Did you know a rasher of bacon can kill you? I should imagine, actually, a gun could kill you at the same time. But uh, here's... Also, pies can kill you as well. I knew somebody who was very ill once on prawns. Prawns. Because pra- if, if you if you get bad fish... It can kill... It's very, very dangerous. We actually had a... We did a a cookery programme once on LBC. We were very excited because the restaurant said, we'll we'll just do prawns in garlic. I thought, that's nice. And so we had all these prawns, and they were cooking them in the studio in a wok. They brought in a, a big wok, and they were doing... And the smell was lovely, but I can't eat prawns. Because you've got to pull them apart and everything else. And the guests were eating them. Well, all the guests were ill the next day. We got phone calls from agents going, they were really sick yesterday. We think the prawns were off. Because if you've had prawns that are frozen, then you defrost them, you've got to cook them fairly quickly. You can't just leave them hanging around. Not so good. Not so good. So uh, just be careful if you're having fish this morning. Uh, Other stories in the papers today. Oh, I knew knew there'd be a problem over this one. Lenin and Stalin's bodies should be moved from Red Square because Lenin's body is on display, as you know. And uh, although how much of it of him is original, I don't know. It's been built up and built up over the years. And so what you see is, is not really the person. I think he's underneath the mask. It's a bit like Tutankhamun, you know. You look at the mask and then underneath was this sort of shriveled up little head. And I suspect the same for for Lenin. People still file parts. I'd love to go... To be honest with you, one part of me would love to go and to have a look. There are certain things you want to go and see. That would be one. The other would be Machu Picchu. Would you love to go to Machu Picchu? One of those uh, kind of things that you, you have to do in your lifetime. Quick time check for you. It's 5.30. With Steve Allen. eight four eight five zero. Oh, Steve at LBC. Poor old Josephine in Surrey. Oh, dear. Get some help, for God's sake, love. Please, please. Uh, one here from Phil. He says, uh, with your dodgy throat and Welsh accent, you're Tom Jones. He says, you're great. Not unusual. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at LBC.co.uk. Uh, Karen in Hertfordshire says, who actually... Oh, there's another one. Oh, dear, there's a lot of people with mental illnesses this morning, I've discovered. A lot of people who don't know who they are, who isn't actually Karen at all. She's, uh, she's Jade or John, so it's obviously a sex change. I quite like the idea when people change their sex as well. And uh, either comes from Hartford or Stansted, or from, from quite a number of little places, actually. I don't know, what, what is it about this programme that attracts people like that? The doc- oh, the doc- oh, it's Thursday, the producer says. And also, The Doctors isn't open just yet, like uh, poor old Josephine in Surrey. Doctors not open for you yet, love, but it will be very shortly. Uh, on the front of the mirror this morning, very interesting story. This is Michael Lavelle, who fears he'll be axed from Corrie after 30 years, even if he's found not guilty of the offences under which he's charged at the moment. And I have to agree with him. If this has come directly from him, well, then that would be right. Coronation Street have said, you know, obviously, until the outcome of the case, they are not prepared to comment. And I suspect that even after the case is is done and dusted... uh, They will then have to rethink things. I think they will probably write him out. They're having to refilm, aren't they, some scenes at the moment. I mean, I don't know if it's possible for something like this to happen in a court of law in this country and then somebody to go back on television because there's always going to be the stupids out there who, even if somebody is found innocent, will go, oh, well, if they were charged with it, then they must be guilty. There were those people who would say there's no smoke without fire. You know, the stupid people, a little bit like Josephine and Surrey. You know, people like that who aren't quite all there in the brain department, who can't quite get themselves together and have no idea about anything at all. So I think it would be slightly difficult for him to go back to Coronation Street. I don't think... I mean, it wouldn't be you know, we've had characters written out before. I should I should imagine they must have sat down and had meetings. You're not telling me that in a in a, a programme that's been running as long as this one has, it's practically the longest-running programme on British television, they don't sit down and go, right, let's look at the scenario. If, if this happens, you know, if this happens, then I think we have to, uh, to sort this out. And so they must have put something in place. There would be plans in case of... In exactly the same way... As we explained before, when, uh, when Diana died, they didn't have a funeral in place. Because quite clearly, if you're organising a royal funeral, you've got to have something in place. So what you saw was the Queen Mother's funeral. The Queen Mother's funeral was in place. That was all ready to run. And everybody knew what they were doing because they'd rehearsed it time and time again. Whether or not she would look out the window and go, what are they doing? Uh, nothing, nothing. Just rehearsing, you know, for um, something. Bonfire night. Your funeral. This is what it's going to look like. And so that was, that was Diana. Diana's funeral was the Queen Mother's because they have rehearsed it. And so they had to do it. So I'm assuming they'll do the same for Michael Lavelle. I mean, I don't know where he is in the storyline in Coronation Street. I think he's been airbrushed out over the last few weeks. So I don't think it's that that difficult. Uh, guess who could represent Britain at the Eurovision Song Contest? I couldn't believe this one either. Bonnie Tyler. Now, there's obviously some story doing the rounds here. and I can't quite put my finger on it because it was only two days ago that we were told... It could be the Pet Shop Boys. The Pet Shop Boys could be representing Britain in Eurovision. And I've been wrong at all of them. I remember, what did you learn at school today? dun 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 dun, dun, dun. which had all the kids at the, the desks. And I thought that was a winner for Eurovision. And then you listen to some of the songs that win, and it's, it's kind of paled a bit over the years. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't, you know, actually gone that well for us for Eurovision. Ireland do better. But, of course, Ireland don't want to win. The reason they don't want to win is because it's too expensive. So they have to look for funding, because if you win, you're of it. And every year, the Irish go, please, God, we don't win. Please, God, how are you? We don't want to win. You know, they don't want to win, because it costs a small fortune. It's okay for us to win, but, I mean, it's highly unlikely, isn't it? That's why it's going to be very interesting, because I think Cliff Richard won. Uh, Lulu, did Lulu win? We've had, we had so many wins, didn't we? I mean, I thought we were really good at one time. And then for some reason we lost the ability to write commercial, poppy sort of tunes. And yet I turn and listen to the radio and I hear all sorts of, uh, all sorts of poppy tunes on, on the radio. And I think, why do we not put that up for Eurovision? Why do we not put that up for Eurovision? You know, that would be the kind of thing that could win. And no, we come up with Bonnie Tyler. They say she's our latest bid. Well, she's Welsh, isn't she? In fact, I seem to remember, and I only throw this into the equation, ladies and gentlemen, that she was due to come in for an in conversation. But I'll put it delicately, she'd had a rather heavy night the night before, and couldn't quite make it. So I'm not sure whether or not Bonnie Tyler for Eurovision. Why don't we just look through the charts? Look at who? why don't we get Gary Barlow to write something? He's really enough hits in his time. He must he must have something in the bottom drawer. They've all tried it, haven't they? And it and it just doesn't work. I don't know who you would who you'd put up for it. Bonnie Tyler. I mean, we haven't you know won for for ages and ages. They do say. I mean, I'm not sure actually whether or not uh, they say Bonnie Tyler could do it. It'll coincide with the release of a new track as a single later this month. Oh, that's all it's done for, isn't it? They go, Bonnie Tyler's got a new single. Oh, let's put her name forward for Eurovision. I mean, she's 61. I don't think that should make any difference. Uh, The competition is in Malmo, in Sweden. You see, I liked Love Will Set You Free by Engelbert Humperdinck. Nobody else liked it. All my friends were going, you're mad. I said, well, you know, I thought it was a good song. I thought it was a really, really good song. But uh, sadly not, I'm afraid. Obviously, around Europe, they didn't think so. Even though Eng is a big hit in the continent. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, poor deluded Josephine from Surrey. It's a good job the rest of us listeners are so normal, eh, Steve? Oh, it, poor Josephine's off with the pixies, I'm afraid. Uh, the Duchess of Cambridge tried to say but to my... and didn't get it. She says dog. Now, I mean, come on, hand on heart, ladies and gentlemen. Not, not dog. Not dog. Uh, Steve, warm water with turmeric for your throat. No cold water. I'm, that's what I'm doing now. I'm doing it now. It's actually, strangely enough, this, it was better yesterday. I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday afternoon and she said, oh, she said it sounds a million times better. And I came in this morning and it sounded, it sounded good. And then it sort of went a bit funny. And all I kept thinking about overnight was I've got to talk to Olivia Newton-John today. And I've also got to talk to Joe Wood. So it's a life of drugs and rock and roll. And Olivia Newton-John, who is, I've, I've done Joe Wood before, but I've never done, Olivia Newton-John, so I'm very, very much looking forward to to talking to her. Well, I I don't know. I got thrills, they're multiplying, and I'm losing control cos the power you're supplying is electrifying. You better shape up. I could wear the tight leather trousers. I could wear the... I do have a... No, I haven't. I have, actually. I have. I don't wear them. Uh, Bonnie Tyler, Steve, no way. Can't find her. She's still... I was lost in France. She had a very throaty voice, didn't she? Didn't Bonnie Tyler sound like Rod Stewart? Wasn't that the whole... That was the whole joke, I thought, all the time. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. One here says, if liberties never let foreign people through in national dress, they wouldn't even exist. Yes, I mean, that's the whole idea. People like wearing national costume, don't they? Admittedly, and I will tell you quite honestly, you don't see many people wearing the Welsh national costume. It does look a bit as if you've dressed up as Ken Dodd's Diddy Men. You know, and perhaps that's why the security guard there... I've never thought security people in department stores are the brightest ever. I get followed constantly round supermarkets by security people. I think they obviously think I look as I'm going to (laughs) shoplift. Which I always always think is quite funny, actually. Because uh, I would never... Uh, Nick says... um, He says, uh, the mornings are just not the same without your funny chatty show on so much. I hate to say it, he said, but Columbo has gone off now. And Steve Allen is back on again. Well, there's no competition. One dead detective with one eye versus funny, witty presenter with a little bit of laryngitis. Far more entertaining, as far as I'm concerned. A boon to elderly people, ladies and gentlemen. 84850, oh, uh, gargle with organic cider vinegar. Somebody else has said cider vinegar, Janet, so thank you for that one. I mean, listen, I've tried everything. I'm going to try it this weekend because, you know, we've got rugby. We've got rugby on Sunday in Twickenham, and it's Italy. And, of course, they're not known for drinking, the Italians. They're generally known for sitting there with a cup of coffee and being very loud. See! Si, See! Si, si. All like that. All, there'll be lots of that going on in Twickenham on Sunday. And I think it's a three o'clock kickoff. It's full house. About 82,000. So I was debating whether or not this weekend I'm going to have a quiet weekend. And I think I'm going to have a quiet weekend. I'm going to try and make sure that by the time we get to Monday morning, we have got, we have got a throat. This week's In Conversation is going to be Joe Wood... And it's going to be Trisha Goddard. Such a good conversation. Such a good conversation. Because Trisha, as you know, is backwards and forwards in the country. She's got her show on uh, Channel 5, which is the American show that they've repeated. And unlike uh, Jeremy Kyle, who didn't work in America, because he shouted at people. There's no point in shouting at people. Yesterday, they had three of the ugliest people on I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I didn't believe... I thought that they'd made them up to look ugly. They really were. And they didn't call it a baby. They called, wait for this, a babby. What sort of idiot calls a baby a babby? And then the other fat lump started talking about your babby. And I'm thinking, are these people deficient in the brain department, Josephine? What do you reckon? You know, that was, and I sat there watching them thinking, you're all so despicable. You're all so vile. Why do we put them on the television? Because we laugh at them. We laugh at these people, and then you you then you cease laughing, and then all of a sudden you think, "I'm so glad I don't live on one of the sink estates where they probably live." They were so atrocious, so atrocious. Uh, Mark in Liverpool said, "I'd love to hear you sing." It's a heartache with Bonnie Tyler. It's a heartache, nothing but a heartache. Yeah, she does sound like she's got permanent laryngitis, doesn't she? Whereas mine's just temporary. You wait till the voice comes back. My God. Uh, I'm a fan of your show, says Anisha. And uh, uh, I know you used to live in Hong Kong, which is where I am, in my office. And uh, she's developed an interactive book for kids, which is lovely. So thank you very much indeed for that. It's only available on iPad 2 and 3. Do you know I've not used my iPad for ages? Not even the mini-iPad. It's charging up at the moment. I mean, it's my fault. I should have done it. And I went, But I went out the other day and I bought a new halogen oven. But I haven't taken it out of the box yet. Because it was so cheap in Costco, they're about 23 quid. On the television, they're about 60. Much cheaper in Costco. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. A car's been driven into... Morning, 12 minutes to six. Never ceases to amaze me where people listen to this programme. We've got people in, in Manchester and people in... Uh, where else we got Gateshead, and Weir, Newcastle, and uh, new one in Cornwall. Richard, it's not Richard Madeley, is it? No, he's moved down to Cornwall. And uh, Tony Hustwaite is in uh, South Africa. He's in Johannesburg. He says we never miss the show. We're having coffee as we're two hours ahead. So you're coming up. Uh, you're coming up just about ten to eight in the morning over there. So it's nice to have you with us as well. I like people who listen overseas. I think it's. I think it's great actually. Taxi Bob. Is in Perth, Western Australia. Taxi Bob, <laughs> I like that. He says, "Hopes your voice gets better." Me too, me too. And uh, and Stephen's listening, and uh, and somebody here who says, uh, "I love your show, despite having a baby or a babby." A few weeks, oh, I hate that. I just, when I heard them saying "babby" on the, t- it just drove me mad. It's just somebody who can't speak properly, isn't it? I religiously listen to your show, and I absolutely enjoy listening every morning. That's good. It must be baby time at the moment. I said that uh, that uh, the other day because I've got my neighbours one either side of me. They've each got babies. They've each got babies, and the one on the the other side, uh, Ryan and his and his uh, wife uh, Jackie have got a new baby as well. But it, it, it looks as though it's grown up. I think it's practically working, practically working. But they've got one of these papoose things on the front. You know where you wear this thing, and the baby's sort of hanging at the front like it's suspended in, uh, in mid-air. They've got one of those. And then on the other side, they, they've got the pram. And all, I've got babies all over the place. I'm just praying Lynn doesn't start getting that sort of, oh babies, I don't mean, you know, that kind of stuff. Kind of worry us all, wouldn't it? Uh, or anybody else. But we seem to be baby mad at them. I've never known a place with so many babies. Must be the weather. Must be the weather. Uh, Neil, good morning. He says, spring has finally sprung. In my garden, in sunny Enfield. I'm not as green as I am cabbage looking. I haven't heard that one for years. It was one of my lovely old Nan sayings. I love it. And the voice seems to be improving. As Noreen would say, keep looking after yourself. It's getting there slowly but surely. I mean, I'd, I've, I've apologised for it uh, in advance. I always say at the beginning of the programme, I'm ever so sorry, but it's still here. It's, it, it sort of comes in fits and starts. So at ten to six, it's not bad. As long as it stays for Olivia Newton-John... And for Joe Wood, I'm fine. I don't have any problem with that at all, So I haven't got one to do tomorrow. And uh, so I shall sit upstairs, and I shall, I shall do me gargling and do me, do me bits and pieces, have some coffee, and just make sure. It just keeps it keeps ticking over. But loads, I've never met anybody, though, since this thing has started who's had the same thing that I've got. I'm, I'm, I'm alone. I'm alone on this one. Uh, Janet, who says, uh, I saw the Northern Lights in Norway. Then she wrote back, says, I was in the Arctic Circle, too. We saw them for three nights. I didn't even bother to take photographs. Yeah, right, that old one. You don't expect us to believe you, do you? Really? (laughs) 848-50-stevenlbc.co.uk Another one here. Let's try and go back to uh, try and weave everything in on the programme. Thankfully, it's rain again, says Johnny. It is. I I woke up this morning to rain, I'm afraid. So take your little brollies with you. Um... Warm weather for a day was summer. Is it me? Eurovision is only important to Eastern Europe. Well, it's all a little bit. Um, it's it's a little bit fiddled, isn't it? You know, certain countries vote for other countries lest they get invaded. Uh, the winner of Eurovision 2012, Loreen from Sweden with Euphoria, was fantastic. The UK have had some dreadful performances at Eurovision, but Euro uh, Engelbert wasn't that bad. We might win Eurovision, but I don't know if she renames herself Bonnie uh, Tylerski. Tyler Risky. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? I think it's unlikely. Uh, very, very unlikely. Um, uh, Paul says, Eurovision is political, nothing to do with music. Oh, well, it's been like that all the time. In fact, for years... We, I mean, in fact, actually, for, for years, we never voted for Germany, they never voted for us. And yet, Germany had some really, really good songs. If you buy the Eurovision albums and you go back, it was... Uh, it was, you know, some really good songs about there, but traditionally, we didn't. We didn't do those sort of things at all, which is a shame. But I'd I'd love to see us win. Adele, says Sean, up for Eurovision, which is good. Uh, You hit the nail on the head, says Steve, on the medway. There's no magic remedy but rest for that voice. No speaking over the weekend. If you can, you are hereby challenged. I couldn't possibly go. This is bad enough trying to go, you know, a few hours without picking up the telephone. I mean, that is particularly a difficult thing to do. I cannot... So what, sometimes I've, I've found this feature on the phone. My friend Daryl phoned yesterday. And because uh, I think the Lady Rattlings have got another one of their, uh, their big balls coming up again, which means, uh, which no, you can't go to it. No, not with a handbag your size. Definitely not. Definitely not. Good Lord, above. I mean, it's bad enough as it is. People emptying handbags all over the place. So in the papers today, uh, the Thomas Cook story, they're shedding two and a half thousand. Big news on LBC. You will be wanting to talk to Nick Clegg because he's back in again from 9 o'clock this morning in Call Clegg. My advice is go to the uh, LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and try and register a question now. I think they're going to focus on immigration, but they'll do anything. The more interesting the question is, the more chance there is of it being used on the programme. So go to lbc.co.uk, and then you can... Register, and you can make sure that you're the one who speaks to Nick Clegg this morning on LBC as part of his regular foray into the world of phone-in presentation. I know when he's going to come in, because we've got a new thing that hangs over the window. It's a, si- I mean, it's, it's a small film set that goes on in here. I love every minute of it. It's really quite nice. <laughs> 84850. stevedlbc.co.uk uh, Nicola from Whetstone. Says, uh, I'm pleased you're feeling better. Yes, I mean, I don't feel ill. That's a stupid thing. It's just the annoying bit about the stupid voice. But we've, uh, we've all suffered. Ian in Luton says, uh, Harrods have banned the English national dress. England football tops with a belly showing. Tattoos with hate and love on the hands. And a can of special brew. And that's just the ladies. Yes, it's the it's that England look, isn't it? Their football shirts abroad, you know immediately. Oh, please, God, don't let them sit next to us. Please, God. Uh, I'm taking my mum, says Paul the London cabbie, who mate? they, to see Des O'Connor at the Queen's Theatre. Do you think she'll enjoy it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, Des O'Connor is fabulous. He does a one-man show. Well, we love the Queen's Theatre, as you know. Uh, absolutely love it. And so Des O'Connor I think what you get with Des you get I mean he's I hope he shows some little clips of films because his shows, some of his early shows were out on DVD. And it's got him doing his dressing up but I mean he's he's a trooper, Des O'Connor. I I'm not ashamed to stand here or sit here, lounge, kneel. Uh, to tell you that I'm a big fan of Des O'Connor. Big, big fan of Des O'Connor. And his one man show's good. So really good show. So you'll enjoy it. He sings he has a little sort of, uh, I think, three-piece there. And he'll tell stories, and he's very good at telling stories. Very good at telling stories. Uh, another one here. That, uh, so, so thank you, Paul, for that one. I would love to see more of Emma Forbes, says John, daughter of Brian, who directed Whistle Down the Wind. Yes, right. Uh, did you know, says Bridget, we live just down the road from Joanne Webb? She's famous in our local paper for UFO spotting. Yes, she is. And actually, there is a UFO story in the paper today. How clever that you've managed to direct me to it. And it's Russell Crowe, who has taken a picture of a UFO hovering, I think, over his house. Or hovering over somebody's house. And, as usual, it doesn't look like a UFO. UFO just stands for an unidentified flying object. And um, he was trying to take a picture of fruit bats. If ever there was a fruit bat, it's Russell Crowe, ladies and gentlemen. And so here is this thing hovering over his house. It looks like a tube of toothpaste. And so it's probably on a piece of uh, wire, a piece of nylon wire or something. And uh, he put it on uh, Twitter. Three shots showing a bright beam of red, white and yellow light shooting across the night sky. But uh, as usual... With all these things, even though we have digital cameras on our phones, we have, you know, the best quality camera phones. It's not like the old fraudulent Loch Ness Monster pictures. Every single one are fake. You know, 99.99999 recurring pictures of UFOs are fakes. They're either those, you know, people saying, oh, I saw this, this sort of uh, light in the sky, and it turns out to be one of those Chinese balloons, with a little nightlight inside it, which went higher and higher and higher and higher. But the one problem they've got in the night sky at the moment in America, what do you think it is? Drones. Don't tell me you don't know what drones are. You've probably seen them advertising on the shopping channels, on the television, these little aeroplanes, these little helicopters that have got little lights in and kids buy them and they're about 20 quid for two. They're so cheap, made in China, and you can have them in the garden and you can whiz them around the city. We've all had them. They're okay. The the charge lasts about three minutes, so they're not so great. Well, for $700 in America, you can buy a drone. And this is a very similar self-flying object with four motors on it. Unfortunately, the difference is now, they can get them up higher than ever before. There was an aircraft coming into land, and 1,500 feet up, a drone appears. Now, the danger with this is that they can get sucked into the jet engines. If they do, this plane would go down like a sack of potatoes. And so they had a clip on the television this morning of a pilot saying, "These dro- they've got to be banned. They've got to be banned because people can now send them up higher than the Empire State Building, just on a little remote control because it's got four engines on it and you can put a camera underneath it and everything else. But because planes are coming in fairly low nowadays, the danger is that uh, there is an accident just waiting to happen. You see them on sale, but not over here. I've seen the little helicopters and uh, all the other things, but the drones you can buy in America, seven $700, but they go so much higher, as high as aircraft. And this aircraft pilot is going, there's a drone up here with me. It's literally alongside the aircraft. He could see it quite clearly. So you have to be very, very careful. So my advice uh, to Russell Crowe is... Stop drinking late at night, okay? going out there and wanting to take a picture of fruit bats, dear. You know, nobody bought that idea at all, apart from you. And, by the way, don't ever sing again, okay? Just like I mentioned that now. Don't sing, don't take pictures of fruit bats, and we'll all be very happy. It's nice to have you company this Thursday morning. You're tuned to LBC 97.3. You're very welcome. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nick and the team with you at 7. Susan Bookbinder at 6.30. But we have the news at 6 with Sam Pittis next. Worrying about uh, all those poor people with NatWest trying to get money out of bank accounts. It's this overnight banking. I mean, you know, wherever you've got computers, as you all know, you're going to get problems. And uh, I was just chatting with Sam Pittis about, you know, banks that we're with. I said, I'm with Royal Bank of Scotland. And uh, I said, but I've been with them for years because I was with William & Glynn's. And then William and Glynns turned into Royal Bank of Scotland. The moment I thought, and it was only due to your help out there, because I didn't know about it, uh, the moment it was going to go to Santander, I said, I don't want to go to Santander. I don't want to go to a Spanish building society, thank you very much indeed. And I'd been in there and had a look around, and I definitely didn't want to go. So uh, somebody had said, I'd mentioned it on air, saying, I don't want to go. And somebody said, oh, quick, if you write to the Royal Bank of Scotland, they will transfer your account to Edinburgh. So you don't have to leave them because I don't want to leave them. I'm quite happy my investments are with them. I don't want to go to Santander. I was quite adamant about it. So I go into a branch. They give me a piece of paper and I fill in the piece of paper and give it back to them. And then I get a letter from them. And because the Santander deal fell through, uh, nothing went any further. But I'm all ready to move to Scotland, let me tell you. I have no, it doesn't matter where your branch is. Unless you're one of those people who likes to go in there and see people. I don't. I can do everything online. I can get my money out of a cash point. Well, you can, I mean, I can take out of uh, out of NatWest because it's the same group as well. But for those people trying to get money out or do transfers, it must be a nightmare. You go there and all of a sudden the system has collapsed. You, you trust people in this day and age. You know, they've got experts. If ever the LBC system goes down, which it does do occasionally, if it gets overloaded, we try and clear it as quick as possible. And we've got a support group within within the building here, but there's also people externally who can try and sort things out. But if you're dealing with thousands and thousands, millions probably, of bank accounts, and people worrying, say, listen, I can't, I've, I've got to get some money out for the weekend, you need to sort it out, and people going into the branches and the branches, oh, don't know what to do at the moment. It's a big problem, isn't it? Big problem. Talking about Milkman, David, uh, over there in Orlando, said, during World War II, my mother was a milk lady. I have a picture of her with her horse and cart the horse's name was Charlie, or as in the case of Ernie, it was Trigger, because he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. So people did have, didn't they, if, if you had a little farm or something like that, you had a little, like a little dog cart, I believe. I've seen pictures with two milk churns on it, and people would go out there with their jug, and they would, they would fill up, which I always thought was uh, was quite a nice thing to do. It doesn't seem to happen anymore now, which I've always thought is the, is the, is the big shame that we de- that, that there isn't any more of that, apart from Kevin the Milkman, who's out there doing you know it for everybody and, and being a cheerful little soul. <laughs> He's a cheerful little soul actually, but uh, what else can you be? Uh, morning from Jeddah says uh, Sean, Saudi Arabia, enjoying the comments about the Welsh ladies and harrods. I might even don the costume of the land of my father and venture out in it this morning. It'll make a, a pleasant change from the uh, abaya I always wear. I love what's that? I don't know what an abaya is. What's an abaya? I don't know what that one is now, Sean. You'll have to tell me. She says, I love the programme and all the news of Twickenham. I went to school there many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. Yeah, we like Twickenham. We like... It. It's, it's, it's a little... It's a little sort of town, little villagey kind of thing. With a lot of charity shops, a lot of coffee shops, but uh, we like it. Uh, little Julian Feltham says, don't forget a fan, Sandy, in Minnesota, USA. He listens to you live every day. Good morning, Minnesota. I don't know, it's so big, America, isn't it? It is so, so big. You can't, you couldn't ever sort of pretend that America was very, very small. Uh, Jonathan in Canary Wharf says, try honey and ginger tea from the Siwoo Chinese supermarket. It's delicious. It sounds disgusting, actually. Honey and ginger. Where is the Siwoo? Is the Siwoo on the... It's not the Pearly Way one, is it? Is that, it's a big Chinese supermarket on the road that leads up to Wembley. I know there's one up there. And there's another one, I'm sure, on Pearly Way. Perhaps it's in Chinatown. Actually, probably if I go into Chinatown, I can probably get all sorts of strange things because there's a little place around the corner. I often wondered what it was, and it's a closed door, and there's nothing on it. But in the early hours of the morning, there's lots of pieces of paper appear, lots and lots stuck on the door, hundreds of them, and people come along and pick them off, and it's their prescriptions, people's prescriptions for Chinese herbal medicine. Because I'm quite sure if I went in there and I said uh, I've got, they go. I know what to do for you. They put together this little mixture and they wrap it all in paper and then you take it away and you make a uh, a herbal infusion. Which sounds terribly exotic, doesn't it? A herbal infusion. A bit like Russell Crowe's brain, I should imagine. So he's uh, he's been jeered by his fans. But, you know, it's because when, when everybody says, oh, it's a, it's a UFO, people get, no, it isn't. Don't be silly. We only call it a UFO because it's an unidentified flying object. We don't really know what it is. We have no idea. We just go, it's unidentified. It's probably a balloon. It's probably a reflection of this. It can be all sorts of things. It can be all sorts of things. But it isn't little green men from another planet, OK? No matter how much you want it to be, it isn't, OK? Unless one physically materialises in this studio this morning, or they transfer this entire studio to the planet Zog, or something like that, then I'm not believing a word of it. We don't believe in corn circles. We don't believe in ghosts. We certainly don't believe in any old rubbish that Yvette Fielding puts on the television. I mean, that is just the most barking mad rubbish you've ever seen. I sit there in disbelief, thinking, who buys in to this? The other day, it's always filmed in the dark, because apparently ghosts don't do light. And uh, and then you'll have somebody going, the curtain moved. I think, no, it didn't. Stop telling lies to people. Unless these people are so balmy mad themselves that they probably believe it. Uh, Rod Little, in his column today... Is talking about uh, Kelly Brook. He says, does Kelly Brook resemble a heifer to you? Because this is, uh, unfortunately... Because he said, I went to an agricultural show in Darlington once and there were some heifers there I could have taken a shine to, but I'd need considerable amounts of alcohol to confuse them with Kelly Brook. The trouble is, this is... uh, She was likened uh, to a heifer by that sophisticated young lady about town, Katie Price. And now that other sophisticated lady, Jodie Marsh, has defended Katie... Um, uh, sorry, demanded Katie be gagged for saying such a nasty thing. He said, if you stitched Katie and Jodie together, I suppose they'd look a little bit like some weird mutant heifer from an evil scientist's farm. Yes, it is true, actually. The deeply, deeply unattractive Jodie Marsh, you know, a bewildered old baggage at the best of times. And unfortunately, poor old, um, poor old Katie Price, a woman whose career must be so far in the distance it isn't laughingly even called a career any more. Uh, Wing Yips is on the pearly way, says Philip. That's right, Wing Yips. Thank you. It's shaped. It's a beautiful Chinese building, isn't it? If you can have a building designed, I'd have it done Chinese style. I would have it done like the Forbidden City. There would be, you know, pillars with dragons going... Ro- oh, I'd love to live in. I'd love... To- I went to a Chinese restaurant once in Soho. Which I've been in quite a few times. But this one, you go upstairs and on the back wall is this beautiful gold dragon... Or, I mean, It runs the whole war. When I lived in Hong Kong, says the producer, was it like that? Or was it modern and anglicised? Modern and anglicised. No, we had a we had um, a flat overlooking Happy Valley. Uh, we had a we had a, an armour who lived in, for want of a better word, a servant. She did the cooking and the dinner parties and everything else. And uh, we went to Kai Tak, and went to the Royal Yacht Club, and we took lots of city film. And it was in the, the when would it have been? This would have been the sixties. It's not possible. I wasn't even born. How ridiculous, Steve. What are you talking about? Must have, been, must, have been, must have been the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or something like that. Certainly could have been the 60s, could it, ladies and gentlemen? And, uh, and it was very underdeveloped. There was nothing on the New Territories. Kowloon, nothing over that side. The Star Ferry still ran. The Tiger Balm Gardens was there. The Peak Railway. Uh, the fish markets at Wan Chai. Floating restaurants at Aberdeen. And uh, the smells. Sm- some of them, Disgusting. Some of them discussed it. I remember going down to South Beach. That was the first place we ever discovered you could get peppermint ice cream. We'd never seen peppermint ice cream before. It was delicious. And um, and they used to have big tanks there on the beach with all these big fish in that they caught. Enormous fish. They seemed... Well, I suppose because we were little, they seemed enormous. But, uh, no, loved it over there. It was the sounds and the smells. The sounds... Of, I'd love to go back there, but I can't think of any reason why I'd want to go back, apart from to go through some of the little shops and uh, to buy beautiful paper lanterns and stuff like that, and the Chinese fireworks. I love anything Chinese. I love anything. If I could have learnt Cantonese years ago, I'd have done it. But uh, sadly, it was not to be. It's LBC 97.3. Thursday morning in uh, London town, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast show. Take a quick break. LBC ninety-seven. 97- <laughs> After the news at seven this morning after it's been announced that civil servants had a stage a strike on Budget Day. Nick will want to know, is it time to get tough on the public sector? Plus, of course, as Nick Clegg is in the studio to take your calls, Nick will be asking about Labour's immigration policy. Boris's new cycling plan for London and Cameron's plans for the economy. All of that and a full review of the papers with Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at seven. It's Camilla Tomine, Royal Editor of the Sunday Express, who is looking at the papers this morning. We've only got a few more minutes left. Uh, so there's a picture of Justin Bieber. Uh, people are saying is he on the way out? Um, I do think he's, he's fallen off, but as I pointed out more than two weeks ago, uh, some of the stories that we were seeing in the papers about Justin Bieber, it's almost as if he's sort of gone from being a little, little popsicle pin-up to being, you know, oh, look, he's hard, he does drugs, he does this. And we've seen pictures and stories about Justin Bieber who's fallen off the wagon and him sticking two feet, and you think they're trying to butch him up. But the trouble is it's not, it's not really working. He still looks like a little boy, you know, who looks a bit ridiculous with a baseball hat on. As far as I'm concerned, he has about as much credibility doing the sort of music he has as I have. You know, I just don't... See, I just see him as a pretty little thing who's on stage and it's designed to sell records to girls who will stand there and scream and go, "Just yeah, I love you, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's just a little boy surrounded by a lot of people, and it's a money-making machine. I mean, I, I think I've seen practically every pair of pants that he's got because he's either walking around town with his trousers halfway round his ankles, which is, you know, and his, and his shirt off. And you think, there's no point in trying to toughen yourself up. It's not... He, you know, he isn't as rock and roll, for example... As Ronnie Wood, Ronnie Wood, and the, if I'm going to talk about this to Joe Wood when we have a chat today for in conversation on her book, which talks about the drugs and the rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, you can't really you don't see Justin Bieber as being rock and roll and sitting around smoking, you know, marijuana and things like that. You just see him as being a little girl's blouse sitting there having his makeup applied to make him look pretty. That's all I see. Whereas I don't see that with the Rolling Stones or any of the other groups. So I wonder whether or not the rock and roll lifestyle of the groups has disappeared. You don't have that. You know, you can never imagine... You know, the Beatles went through their very druggy phase and we got some really good albums out of it. In Justin Bieber's case, he just looks a bit silly. You know, I don't think it... I just said the other day, I don't think it was him being rude. I just thought when he turned up late at the O2, it's called unprofessional. You know, you turn up on time. People have stood there. His fans are very young. You don't expect... It was like when Robbie Williams toured. would take that. Robbie Williams was, uh, you know, either off with the Pixies on one of his things because he used four-letter words... I don't think parents should have to put up with that if you take somebody to go and see Robbie Williams. Although Robbie Williams was very, uh, very um, non-committal on the Brit Awards. Very non-committal, which I thought was, I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Lordez says, thank you. Wing Yip is on the pearly way. It's very well known, isn't it? I like it when things are, are well known. 848, uh, eight. Ian in Luton says, a beggar said to me, any change, mate? I said, "Nope, still got my nice house and job. It's an old gag. I always say I'm going home to central heating, you know. Kind of makes people feel a lot better about life. I've said before, don't give to beggars on the street. They're sitting there. It's not like they're elderly people. They're not elderly. They're all young. They're perfectly capable of getting a job. Uh, 84850. Uh, uh, Jamie says, here's a reason to come to uh, to Hong Kong. I invite you to dinner at my Chinese restaurant, the monogamous Chinese in mid-levels. Thank you. That's quite, could you just send some food over? I mean, I'm more than happy to ik- accept it. So we've had that before. Well, not sent over from Hong Kong, but I've heard of people sending, uh, you know, things around. Uh, Steve, my wife is out of control again. Harrods, indeed. And a bayer for your info, is the black coverall cloak-style covering almost all women wear in public in Saudi Arabia. It should be loose enough not to show the wearer's shape beneath and dense enough not to reveal the female form against the light. Most Western women say that once used... Uh, To the dress style, it is incredibly hard, or very very good for hiding a multitude of sartorial and dietary sins. I have no idea, says Roger, what they mean. Oh, oh, it's that sort of bat-like outfit. Oh, it's not very flattering, is it? Why would women want to not look very flattering? The whole idea was supposed to look sort of quite nice, actually. Uh, 84850. Drones you can buy in this country, says Joey. I saw several for sale uh, the other day. It's uh you've got to be very careful. It says airplanes don't fall out of the sky if they lose an engine, as it's the wings which provide the lift. Well the trouble is we've had cases of uh, of birds being drawn into the jet engines, and these drones could cause serious trouble actually. Uh eight four eight five O steve dot UK. Uh, Kevin says, I always say, Why be miserable at work? I can save that up and be extra miserable at home with the poor, long suffering fiance and stepdaughters. ha <laughs> it is true. Uh, if you watch some interesting TV instead of the rubbish, you'd get so much more satisfaction, says Em. Yeah, but who's interesting in that? Nobody's interested in hearing you you're talking about interesting television. Anyone to talk about the rubbish. Gemma Collins is up, apparently, this morning. She tweeted. She's up. How sad and lonely do you have to be to actually tweet that you actually got out of bed? Busy day ahead. I know. Stuffing food in your mouth, I should imagine. It's, uh, you know, so she's told people she's up. Busy day ahead. Stuffing food in. Ooh, look, Kentucky. Pizza Hut. Here it goes. Ooh, I'm so fat. I'm hot That's why you're fat and lardy, love. Why are you are fat and lardy? Uh, Boris Johnson has agreed to a major film about his life. Sparking fresh speculation. He's ready to go for the Tory crown. Ooh, that'll be interesting. And proof if proof were needed. That, uh, that models really are desperately unattractive. It's uh, Cara Delevingne. I told you you're going to be seeing more and more of this woman everywhere. She's obviously got an agent, and they're putting her in the paper, the same as Agnes Dane. Cara Delavine's probably not a know. Deeply, deeply unattractive. Deeply unattractive. In fact, even Kate Moss looks as rough as heck in some of these pictures. I don't know why people go there, because most models are just emaciated clothes horses. They just walk up and down in a silly way. And then you go, oh, that's nice, isn't it? And then we're supposed to be interested in what they talk about, not me. I'm afraid I can't wait, cannot wait to actually go to the v and to see the David Bowie exhibition. Very much looking forward. Do you remember the Batman guy who we saw the other day? He took his friend in to the police station, and that was uh, Stan Warby. It turns out he's a lag. He's been in prison five times already. He got three years for burglary, he's stolen cars, driven whilst banned and driven without insurance. So he's another old tea leaf, I'm afraid. So hardly the shining light that we were talking about yesterday. Here's the star of the mobile phone ad. Socks, they've now called him. He's the moonwalking pony. He doesn't really. He doesn't really moonwalk, Okay, It's graphics, just in case people get a bit excited about things like that. And uh, the woman who owns him says, ''Nobody will eat my moonwalking pony.'' I always can't help feeling Sometimes you should really not say anything at all. Uh, Kelly Brooke, stepping out yesterday. Very cold, but still no coat. But there again, I suppose, as she is the heifer of the moment, there's enough honour to keep her warm for ages and ages. A lot of the papers running with the stars are out for Richard Breyer's funeral. Bidding farewell. I love the way they say bidding farewell to him. Like, you know, you could wave or something like that and he would see you. He wouldn't, I'm afraid. He wouldn't. So, uh, they were all there. Brian Murphy, lovely Brian. Emma Thompson, wearing God knows what Emma was wearing yesterday. Uh, Also, Peter Bowles, looks very good. Penelope Keith, uh, Frank Finlay, Brunella Scales. And Bernard Cribbins, all friends and people who admired him. But that's the picture on a lot of the papers this morning uh, of uh, Felicity Kendall. There were always these rumours that they didn't get on, but as I said before, I should imagine if you went through every single person on television and said, did you get on with the person you worked with for years and years and years, the answer would be not after the first two. Uh, They've also got the uh, the nasty, jobless mother of one Heather Frost, a nasty, evil sort of woman, uh, you know, who's been terrorising her neighbour... For ages and ages and ages, just about it. This morning, we shall be back with you uh, tomorrow morning. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about half an hour. Uh, Man United could sell Rooney. Good lord, where will she go shopping? Wonder where we could send. It. Who would be interested in buying Wayne Rooney? Is he that much of a catch in the football world? I don't think so. Actually, I don't think so. They said between twenty and thirty-five million. Oh God. Do you think poor old Colleen will have to sell up or something and move... Oh, not Twickenham. Please, God, not Twickenham. Anywhere but Twickenham, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, have yourself a very, very nice day. A bit of rain around this morning, but it's Call Clegg. Don't want to miss it this morning. I, I, I'm predicting fireworks, actually. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7. I'm Steve Allen, back with you tomorrow morning on LBC 97.3. Next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC